Insecurity and a lack of confidence probably causes 90% of the problems on this planet. There are people who let life happen to them, and then there are people who like create their life. I just see them accept defeat far too easy. There's 50 different ways to get what you just asked for. You just literally just gave up. I have never been concerned about money. I've always, always felt like I'll be successful, so I've just always spent like I've had it. What's the point of having money if you're not going to fly first class? What's your advice to someone who's thinking about buying a house right now? I appreciate you guys coming on. So I'm curious to start this off. What is one thing that you would critique about the other? And right. one Graham thing that you guys... Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. I, I, well, hold on a second. Yeah. Let me just say <laughs> no that. Warm this, up. Is, this is crazy because no yeah, you guys is... haven't done a podcast together. No, right? I don't think Ever, so. No. Also, I can't... Ever, one yeah. thing, can I do like a top 10? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, if there's too many, just yeah, maybe like I, just yeah, the biggest issues. How long? Two hours. Two hours. I'll, I'll start. Is that enough time? Okay. You want me to go alphabetical, <laughs> numerical? I think it's funny because Graham yeah. says you guys have some of the funniest banter. You guys yeah, love to argue, love to debate. And apparently you guys are like philosophically a little bit different, right? Like pretty close. You'd yeah, say close, you'd say very in alignment or is yeah, it? Yeah, I'd say yeah. pretty in alignment. Okay. Well, we, we, it, we argue and debate over shit. like nuance, like yeah. just micro nuances. Okay. Yeah. Well, we want to find that nuance. In this yeah, we will. That's what we're looking like for. Like okay? the last piece of pizza. Is most, yeah, that's <laughs> that's what it's what about? Are, yeah. It's okay. not like philosophical debates or politics. It's pizza. Yeah. And, like who's fo whose favorite football team has the best like receiving trio? That's it. Yeah. That's really dumb. Stuff. What's one critique you guys have for each other? I'll let you go first so I can see how like <laughs> oh, how deep he's how going. Deep how deep yeah. Exactly. Uh, how okay. cool. deep the cut is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I want him to know there's something hanging over his head when he's talking right now. <laughs> yeah. I'll go after you. He repeats himself when we argue. That's annoying. I, I can get behind yeah, that. Really, I, I haven't seen really that annoying. from you, but when people start being redundant in an argument, it's like, I understand. Yeah. You know what, you know what yeah. makes people redundant? It's when the other party has absolutely like no focus or care or like, you know, just dicking around with their phone and they just, they're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what makes people repeat themselves. Right. So you're redundant you know? for a purpose. Yeah, exactly. Out of necessity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So these issues are aligned. That's fair. Yeah. That's Do you think fair. he's redundant or no? Probably not as much as I am. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's never he's, admitted that. He's probably just more like, you know, he, he'll he keep the debate slash argument going more than I'll be like, I'm good. And then he'll keep at but it. I think he's probably less respectful in the manners in which he, I don't know, relates to to people generally because he's just. I'm busier mm, is what he's saying. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's called busy. You know, it's like, bro, did you hear what I it's said? It's called a work ethic. Yeah. Bro, did you hear what I said? And he's like, stop repeating yourself. I'm like, dude, you haven't looked over your phone in eight minutes. <laughs> it's funny because I've, I've worked with you guys for a long time and I see yeah. both perspectives on this. I think you're mostly on your phone or doing emails or like talking to someone else while Brett's talking to you. Even if it's you. Instagram, can yeah. I cuss on this part? Yeah, 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 yeah. go ahead. Even yeah. if it's Instagram, you'll yeah. be like in the middle of it. I'm like, dude, you're like swiping left. I know you're not working right now. <laughs> on the way here, he was driving. Yeah. I was on a work call for 15 minutes. Yeah. He gets so fucking annoyed. So I hang I, up. I, well, usually I just have to take my own Uber because he gets so annoyed. That's that's insane that you take your own Uber. Dude, but yeah. imagine picking somebody. Oh, I'll, I'll come pick you up, you know, because you're kind of on the way, whatever. Yeah. I'm, I got the music on, like breeze in my hair. I'm like, cool morning. I'm hungover. Breeze like, in his hair. Yeah, I was, I mean, I'm like, let that slide. I'm like, yeah, we can let that slide. <laughs> I'm chilling. I'm in like perfect, you know, okay. I'm like the podcast coming. I'm like, just going to relax on the way there. Oh, oh, I got a call with a developer in, in Canada. And I'm like, dude, you're just going to take an Uber then. I mean, I got to listen to this bullshit. <laughs> the whole way here. That's a good point. I gotta point. turn the music yeah. down and I gotta put the window up. Sure, and now you have to accommodate. Yeah, right. it pisses me off. That's true. Yeah, That's thank you. Point. Let's see, one thing that you admire in the other person. 
Oh, also tons of things I admire. I feel like this is like marriage counseling. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to work yeah. through this. Graham was yeah. just telling me how funny it is when you guys just there, start. There are oh, tons yeah. of things like, that we admire. You know, we actually yeah, went to a, like a, a couples therapist. Well, not a couples a couple. therapist. Well, I think she's trained as a couples therapist, or maybe not. I don't know. Why did you yeah. do? But it? We went for like just to get along better. Yeah. Was, was there a certain event or something himself. that happened? No, oh, we just were fighting a lot. All the time. When was this? You remember when we were years ago? Yeah. Yeah, we're better now. Do you remember like? Five ten years ago, we yeah, fight way more. Oh, it was like ridiculous. We were getting fist fights in the, in this in, at lunch. Yeah, in the <laughs> office. Just, just told me a that. story about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we don't physically fight as much anymore. No, because he's like just more intimidated now and stronger. For good reason. Yeah. Jack was wondering, do you guys have a lot of aggression? That it's just like you just have no, to it's, take I don't, out. Or it's like... only Brett. Just naturally in our character, I feel like we have a lot of you know. Yeah, our... we're both alphas, so you know, get yeah. us together and we just fight over it's shit. Just me a little bit. But more we're out. not yeah. as. Yeah, we're not as we don't have the physical confrontation. No, we've been way better. Fought but you used to oh, physically we did, fight. Oh, we did oh, almost fight. In we, Nashville, we had to separate though. ourselves in high school, like different high schools. We had You're to separate kidding. ourselves no. like a week ago when we were in that Uber and Yeah, that's true. We still we still go out. But it's rare. Like once every few months, we'll fight. <laughs> I had to jump out of an Uber in Nashville because I was literally like we were about to just go to blows. Yeah. yeah, and then I, I'll, I'll meet you at the stadium. How many times do you guys think? I would love to see one of these fights. You guys could be a main card in like a some sort of box. There, I told, I told you, yeah, it would be so even. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that would be. We, uh, we go at it a little bit. You don't think season. so? No, I'd get him. You usually win. I have more. Well, because he bites. I, have, <laughs> I don't. So I have more cheating. aggression, so I think I, I would. Yeah, that's probably true. He used win. to. Like kind of beat me up. A I'll lot pin weird. him. I'd pin him down. But that's crazy. You guys end up going to blows because I have a brother. Not okay. nearly as much. Not anymore. really like punching in the face. More like wrestling and like you know chokeholds and like maybe punching know, in the chest. We try to avoid elbowing. The like we try not to actually just boom. Right Although in the I face. knocked him out cold a couple of times. Did you sure. actually? Yeah, dude, I did. Well, <laughs> let's let's. I want to explore. He's like laying on the I, okay, ground. So, it's like motionless. So how does it go from like just something you're disagreeing upon <clears throat> to? Like actually fighting your twin oh, brother. So we just, I, like, how, just where does the escalation happen? More and more irritation, just stupidity, and then easy. one person will like, you know, push the other person or whatever, and then it just happens. And and you like fighting, I'm guessing, because it continues no. to happen. No, 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 no. I just we can irritate each other sometimes. No, nobody likes. I mean, that's yeah, really we interesting. Definitely don't like fighting. You know, if I get irritated, or if Graham gets irritated, it's not like it is never within my frame of mind of like, okay. Oh, but same go, with yeah. everyone else on the but planet. But here's the thing. If you and Graham just, fought, it would yeah. be a big deal. I mean, you could, you could <laughs> maybe not have the pod for weeks. I mean, who knows if you right. even come back to like being friends. We can fight in like 30 minutes, like we did in, in Nashville. Like, you know, we're 20 minutes later, we meet up. Maybe it took 15 minutes after seeing each other, like relax. Yeah. But an hour later, we're fine. Yeah. So you guys know and, no matter what no happens. There's no risk of like, yeah. yeah I think fine. that's part of it too. You just you you know, take for granted. You yeah. take for granted the relationship. And so you fight because you know that it's right. not going to damage the relationship. That's yeah. really, that's really different. That's very unique. Graham was telling me unique. you guys were like at a, getting lunch at some spot. And then like across the table from each other, you started like bickering and bantering. Forget and what it was about. Yeah, too. It's just about something probably trivial, as I'm oh, guessing like a lot of these things. It's never about anything of substance. And then you were just like, all right, let's go outside. And you guys just went into the back parking lot. And yeah, just we didn't see it. you. And I, I think I was with Mary and all of them. I said, oh, no, you just leave them be. They do this. They do that. I'm like, should we be worried? No, no, no. They'll come back. Yeah, and I think one of you, yeah, one of you left and then... I think it was you, Jason. I think you just sat down like nothing had happened. <laughs> that tracks. That, that tracks. tracks. Yeah. So how do you think having a twin is different from having a normal sibling? Uh, you're just closer. Yeah, I don't think there's a closer relationship on the planet if you work towards it than identical twins. And what is that like to have somebody that always keeps you in check? When do you give him authority to make decisions on your behalf? Well, it's, I wouldn't put it that way. I generally don't make important decisions without like us agreeing consulting on it. and yeah. does it have to be like 
a unilateral decision? No, no. But I take his advice seriously. So bilateral, you mean? Um, like, like, like mutual, like bilateral. Bi is that how it is? I think unilateral would be one person. Are you yeah, a lawyer yeah. too? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an advisor, you know, that you go to. I, I trust his opinion as much as mine. So, it's hard for me to make an important decision. Like, let's say I'm going to open up a new office somewhere. I, I kind of have to get Brett on board. Um, so that I'm confident in it. You know, if he has reservations, then I rethink my decision. But how do you guys build that level of respect and trust for each other? Like, That's is that just, just like time. 46 like, years of, of just like seeing the other person everything. making good decisions and like earning and admiring yeah, the other person? Imagine right. if you guys had this podcast for 46 years. Yeah. Would you, would you, he might actually about, listen to me then. Would you, like, what questions but I feel like it's, it's different because you guys have had a very similar, if not the same, upbringing. Yeah. So yeah. I think going through that and being related ties that even closer than yeah, Jack and I. No, I know, but I'm just trying to give some perspective. Yeah. Would no, you worry, would you worry about yeah. what guests he's going to bring on or what questions he'd ask or whether he can handle After 46 years of this, no, you, you know, you've seen right. everything 10 times. That's a good point. Yeah. I, what, okay, so did you guys actually have, you had to be in different high schools? Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying my McDonald's is here. I, I don't want to continue bringing this back to the fighting, yeah. but for uh, me, that's fine. That's, my McDonald's is here. Oh, yeah, yeah sure, sure. Thanks, man. So I, I can't believe yeah. that you guys had to be separated intentionally because of yeah. the, the fighting? All through, most of through high school. When did that separated. start? At what age did you uh, guys most start? Most of our like, fighting was probably four or five, more, probably we yeah, started. Four, really? 14 was our worst. Was there ever genuine like hatred, you think? No, 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 you, no. But it was never. mostly trivial. It always. was never anything, but... It was always trivial. We yeah. never did anything but love each other more than anyone else on the planet. It's, that's that, The fighting isn't about, you know, like... I don't like you as a person. It's just I want getting to out some sort of like right yeah. I think rage. we're just you know raised basically by our mom and we guys saw have, our dad. You have a brother? I have an older brother. Yeah. You guys fought now? We or is fought, he too much but I was. Cause... I mean, he was he was two and a half years older than me, so mm -hmm. there was a bit of a size difference for most of the time yeah. we were growing up. So I would be like the provoker. I would annoy him, and then yeah. he would fight, and it's like I can't do anything. You know, uh -huh. he's way bigger but, than. But okay, so you can imagine though, if you guys were like pretty tight, the exact same size, yeah. things could have been different. Yeah. Yeah. About Graham. Uh, half sister, but how much of that fighting do you think is because well, put it you on the ground don't take up the whole? There's <laughs> no paid promo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Be like, wow, this Our Big Mac is, yeah. for four ninety nine is such a great deal, <laughs> huh, Graham? <laughs> uh, how much uh, of the fighting though do you think is because you were twins and very competitive with each other and proving that like, hey, I I have a one up, like I'm the better twin? No, not zero. No? Yeah. Okay. yeah, it was literally just two alphas in a room. You know, let's, with let's nothing talk about to do, this, like what's going to happen? This yeah. alpha stuff, because that's kind of been like blowing up recently with like the alpha mindset, alpha mentality. Oh, yeah. Why do you say that you're an alpha? How, how do you um, determine if you're I an mean, alpha? I mean, I could technically be using that term wrong, but I'm pretty sure, you know, just kind of a naturally aggressive kind of, you're, if you're in a room with a bunch of people, you're, or, or, you know, your boys, you're probably going to be the guy making the decisions. You're probably going to be kind of like, you know, one of the bigger presence in the room. You're, that's just, just not, not on purpose, it's just your personality. Mm -hmm. You know, and then there's someone else like that, and you and you kind of want to get your way, and you kind of just have like that a, a large presence in your personality. But first, if you're in business just like us, I'm sure you're well aware that problems are everywhere. For example, there was actually a scheduling issue that made it so Graham couldn't be in the studio to record this with me. Sorry, Jack. And there comes a time in every business when the problem that you've been ignoring needs to be handled. 
Graham. I said I'm sorry, Jack. If you're getting frustrated with how you've been selling, whether that be online or in person, I could not recommend you guys try out our sponsor, Shopify Enough. Shopify is the e-commerce platform that's already helped transform millions of businesses worldwide. For example, you can customize your online store with flexible templates and powerful tools. And with a single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere in the world. Here's a fun fact. What sets Shopify apart from its competitors is its ability to turn browsers into buyers. With the internet's best converting checkout, that's 36% better on average compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. And Shopify actually powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, supporting brands like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn in, in over 175 countries. In fact, my coffee company, Bankroll Coffee, is run exclusively through Shopify, and I did a ton of research on the best e-commerce platform to use, and they've been fantastic. Plus, they have an incredible support team there to guide you every step of the way. I can attest to this. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ICA. Again, that's shopify.com slash ICH. Take your business to the next level. Shopify.com slash ICH. Thank you so much, Shopify, and back to the podcast. This is something I want to I want to understand on a deeper level because something that Graham, I feel like, learned a lot from the both of you is this kind of like alpha presence, alpha mentality. And now I'm not saying Graham's not. I would never admit to such a thing. But a lot of the times when I go to advice for Graham, he is kind of just like, a relay for your advice that you guys have. I would say so. Yeah. Him. Every mm. single time he's like, "Well, I remember having this talk about you know this or whatever about yeah. with Brett or Jason or something," and he just relays it, and it's always the same kind of like stoic, no non responsive uh, non responsiveness to certain things, and like being precise and like this alpha mindset. And I say we don't take mm. no for an answer, which is probably somewhat alpha. But mm. our dad had like a motto of whatever it takes. I think we have that instilled in us. Like we just get what we want by working. Yeah, you, for you it. kind of have in the back of your mind like this is going to happen. It's just a matter of how difficult yeah. it is, and that's the, the the mindset from which you operate. But I don't think I do that on purpose. That's kind of just in my blood. You think so? I'm you glad think I'm able to impart some of that. You think you got that? I, I think from it's genetic. Or do you think you were kind of raised in that? Both way? my parents are kind of alpha, yeah. I would say. But okay. um, I, yeah, that's something in my bones. Like I don't. I, I never read a book on how to be alpha or anything, or watch videos. I just. Was that we were that way from four years old, and it's not like necessarily something that we're, we're bragging about. It's, when I say alpha, I'm just using it as a purely descriptive term. I'm not sure it's advantageous. It's probably advantageous in life in some ways and disadvantageous in others. So I'm not like telling everybody be alpha okay. necessarily. In what ways just would it be, be bad? You. Mm-hmm. Well, you can rub I, people I, the wrong way. We also, I think, get frustrated at um, things that that we think can be done better. So you can you can get irritated and frustrated at other things because you just want to take over and do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to delegate. It's kind of hard to uh, for people to live up to your expectations. If you're not in control of something, it bothers mm-hmm. you. I could see yeah, it shouldn't, the the alpha personality, for lack of a better term. We're just assuming we're, we'll assign that word to this thing uh-huh. we're describing. Could be could make it challenging to get very close to certain people. I feel like it, it, it makes people, people seem a little bit more distant. We have very close relationships yeah, with our friends think, and family. Okay. We probably I, I okay. But to, to enter through, to break through to that, to be a part of the close circle, would you say it's more challenging because yeah, could those people Maybe, lead yeah. because you would need to be the one in charge. Cause I've noticed even hanging around you, you're usually the one that says, Oh, we're going to go to this place tonight. And Oh, we have this connection over here. Let's go there. And everyone else that's with you is always like, yeah, that's that's great. And it, you don't really hard. find a lot of conflict. When, no, I don't want to go there tonight. It's hard Let's go for alphas to yeah. be together, just yeah. like in the wild. That's why Brett and I yeah. fight because we're you know we we you disagree on yeah. just about. I mean, you can everything. learn about alpha behavior by watching National Geographic. You don't have to interview yeah. us. I mean, it's, we're just animals. Humans are just animals, and we act in very similar ways to two alpha lions hanging out in the in the wild. They're not going to 
do very well together. They're going to have to have their own prides. Yeah. And when they come together, there's probably going to be some scuffles, and they could be brothers. But it's not that much different than, like, alpha animals in the wild. That's where the term yeah. came from, I do believe. Do you think it could be learned? I don't know if it w- you'd want it to be learned. I think... Yes, I think we learned. I think we learned it too. I think it's yeah. nature and nurture. Absolutely, yeah. We're just I, I think there's part of being alpha that's probably beneficial in life, and I would, maybe would impart for some people to try to learn that, which is achieving your goals. At, I want to say it, no matter what cost, because that mm-hmm. seems a bit extreme. But have it in the back of your mind. A lot of people, like when I'm when I'm talking to some people in the office or just some people in life, I just see them accept defeat far too easy, absurdly easily, and I'm just like. What? There's 50 different ways to get what you just asked for. You just literally just gave up. So I would impart that. You know, get it in your mind. This is going to happen. And then, you, and then when you get that in your mind and you effectuate it with that mindset, then the next time you're like, oh, shit, I really can make that happen. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes you're in a traffic jam, like usually, especially in like second and third world countries. And there's some people just sit in the line like forever. And someone opens a door, gets out and starts directing traffic. That's us. Like, we'll get out, make this guy go in here, make this guy pull over here and get the going like i'm not going to sit here for an hour no. there's no effing way i'm sitting where here did you hour. learn that behavior though because i feel like there's got to be something where you've seen it and then started modeling that as yeah, i mean i'd say well both of our parents but i'd say our dad particularly has but a, i don't do you think it was learned do you think if we were raised different parents i think i still yeah, feel like we'd I'd, be this way well i, I don't think we'd be as much because i think they instilled a lot of confidence in us and like made us believe that we could true, true you know succeed at what we do and then also we saw them you know very persistent i mean our dad would not be someone that would take no I, I think that's totally fair but I think it's mm-hmm. a mix because I also feel like it's in my bones you know and, and you'd have to like beat it out of me no matter who raised me but it's yeah. probably accentuated by my parents at what age did you start living with your dad my understanding he took over when you guys were not doing so well in school mm-hmm. and put mm-hmm. you on a different path I got expelled when I was a sophomore in high school what did you do uh, just dumb shit. we got sent to boarding schools and then I got exp- well we both got expelled so my dad took me in um, after the sophomore 15 year. or 16 and then Brett got expelled like six months after me and what then, did you do <laughs> oh I mean it was like just dumb stuff weed and fighting and nothing crazy but you know yeah, when, yeah. You're, when you're at a boarding school they're sure. not like, super tolerant I was never good with authority neither of us were good with authority from day one yeah um, yeah so our childhoods were you know I don't think difficult. alphas are good with authority yeah that's another issue with being an so, alpha so how did your dad handle that my dad's also not good with authority <laughs> okay. oh, when my dad took us yeah. it was like this is actually, ironically, like if you need to, con- I, I, we, we, we're, this is devolving into like yeah. just a full alpha conversation. But if you need to control an alpha, it has to be full, basic, just structure and dominance. It's the only way to keep an alpha in check. So my dad literally took over our lives. Like that's, that's why the Marines yeah. is probably good for alphas, you know, because they don't have a choice. You have to put them in such a structured environment that they have no choice. But if you give them like, you know, a bunch of outs, they're going to take the outs. So with my dad, he just smothered us with like rules and, and, with backed by like you know do not break this you know i mean we were like scared you know it's not like he would beat us or anything but i mean there was like this level of authority that we were like oh this is so but what level of authority was that that you wouldn't disobey those those rules i mean well i think you have to be you have to be scared imposing yeah you have to be scared of the consequences scared of physical consequences which i'm i don't i don't think that's a a bad thing i know that i'm not supposed to say that i think it helped my brother and i immensely that uh our dad would you know like well, the, let me just be clear, though. Make sure that we didn't He was really around. good at never hitting us, ever, in our entire yeah. lives. But always being physically imposing and, and threatening yeah. enough that we would, like, just not want to mess with him. You know, which I think is, like, great fathering. 
you know, because you never should touch your kid. And he right. never would. I mean, he might push us up against the wall and scream and just, like, until we peed our pants practically. But he would never, like, ever hit us or yeah. hurt us, ever. Yeah, you just have to be scared of, like, the consequence, I think. Like, like, my her... mom, our yeah. mom would, could not keep us in check. And then she would try to spank us or whatever. Ground us or we like just, 50 different little things, but it never worked because we never were really worked. scared. Like, plus, yeah. when she spanked, like, you know, she'd spank us with like spoons and we would just be like, you know, once we realized like it, that it only hurt so much, then she was fucked because then we would just sit there <laughs> and she just was hopeless. And I, I feel bad. But my dad, yeah. like, you know, we felt like we they were divorced to, at the time, just to be clear. Sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's difficult. Um, yeah, he straightened us out when we were like 15, 16. I mean, like you're, you go through like kind of the regimen. Well, he would wake us up at like 5 a.m. and we'd go in the garage and work out. So that would be the, like the start. He, you know, took our baggy clothes off, our earrings off, you know. Shaped my off. goatee, took out the earrings. Yeah, like like he'd dress us, um, drop us off at school, pick us up from school. We'd go to his office where he was, uh, and a, you know, a professor at the You didn't miss a college. class. I mean, it's like, you know, we just do our it was like Marines, and, basically. Yeah, yeah. First, like, no friends, know. no time to get in trouble. Like, literally, he made sure for the first year that we had not even 10 minutes to ourselves. So we just couldn't get in trouble. Sounds like a really wow. intelligent person. Well, he also, yeah. and, he's also that. a Marine, and he learned that structure. And he teaches sociology, and he's, he's quite introspective. And okay. he, he was, and this isn't to say my dad's a better parent than my mom. It's just that he had the skill set to control us as, like, you know, the, the types of kids that we were. And for my mom, it was really difficult. For someone else, my mom would have been, you know, probably the perfect parent. Sure. My dad wouldn't have maybe, you know, been as yeah, we, most, astute at it. Most kids don't need, like, you know, a physically imposing consequence. But mm -hmm. we did because we were pretty out of control. We didn't listen to anybody, whether mm -hmm. it was a teacher or a parent. Like, we were just, you know, in the police. Like, we just didn't care about anything. When did you start to enjoy that structure that he was giving to you? Or when, oh, did you never, meet it, no, it with resistance? During the time. It was always a nightmare. Yeah, well, until, it until was only about off. a year until he, then, then once he had us like, you know, structured, then he backed off. And then we had actually an unbelievable amount of freedom. Like, yeah. Then it was just, you know, carte blanche. Once he us. trusted us, it was anything you want. Buy us kegs for parties. I mean, it was like, whatever. Because yeah. he's like, okay, you're not going to miss a class. You're not doing drugs. You're not, you're not drinking and driving. You're not doing these things. And I know you're not going to. And I trust you with that. And he was right to trust us. We wouldn't. And then it's like, okay. Do whatever you want then. We'll get, I'll get you a house. I'll get you. He, he, would rent us, he rented us a house and we would throw parties like it was a frat house. He would get his kegs and stuff. But how does he have that confidence that you're not going to slip back into those routines that you I had? I think we just demonstrated trust over time. Yeah. And we never did slip back in those routines. Ever. Like we were yeah. smart kids. Like almost probably too smart. So that's probably why I think we were bored and we would just act out. But once we kind of got more into school and we had more structured environment, then we started applying ourselves and he could tell that we were not gonna like you know slip back did you realize that was just a better way to live than the other way so you made the own personal decision like once i have this structure i tested it out i got good results i like this i'm gonna stick with this or what? yeah i think that's right you'd yeah, say that's I right mean, i think but maybe but also there was consequences if, if we ever did slip back because we would probably lose the freedom oh that's a good point you still did have those consequences so, he just kind of yeah. allowed you to have more freedoms yeah right. but first if you're on a business i'm sure you're well aware just how complicated things can get for example the scheduling issue which is exactly why graham isn't in here with the studio with me filming this i said i'm sorry jack trying to keep all your goals tasks and data organized in several different softwares sometimes ends up actually taking more time than it's worth if you're looking to streamline your business but you aren't sure where to start keep these three numbers in mind from our Sponsor NetSuite. 36,025 and 1.
36,000 because 36,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite and stopped wasting time on things like manual data entry and sifting through scattered data. 25 because NetSuite has spent 25 years helping businesses drive down their costs. And one because NetSuite is an all-in-one solution that allows you to manage all of your KPIs or key performance indicators with one efficient system. NetSuite can help reduce the mistakes from manual data entry and prevent the busy work from scaling with your business. So right now, download NetSuite's KPIs checklist for free. Check out netsuite.com slash iced. That's I-C-E-D. Again, that's netsuite.com slash iced to get your free KPIs checklist. Once again, completely free. netsuite.com slash iced. Thank you so much, NetSuite. And back to the episode. And at what point did you guys want to get into law? Pretty early on, I'd say. Yeah. Because like, we were... You know, that whole well, argumentative nature that we have. Because we thought we were going to be like, we wanted to be a car mechanic, we wanted to be yeah. this. Uh, I would say maybe like in college. Well, I think we considered it like kind of our whole lives because our mom would always be like, you guys stop lawyering me. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. that's how we'd argue. It was almost innate for us to like argue like lawyers. True. But we did want to be mechanics probably until, you know, high school or even through high school. So I guess I was, yeah. it was always like maybe a tiny background possibility but not really considered until look i mean i think a lot of it was what the hell are we going to do we're about to graduate i'm not going to get a job you know isn't right. that like a lot of kids go to law school mm -hmm. well but know? we took pre-law right. at berkeley yeah an undergrad so we wanted to be we love the law just because it's like a i don't know it, it's to me it kind of defines the world you know in a way it's like it's understanding the rules of society is kind of a uh good way to beat the rules you know it's also the way our brains work like some people's brains work in science and math that wasn't us yeah we're very analytical and like you know logical so it was we loved law school not many people did but i really loved law it. school it kind of makes sense because it seems like your entire life you were kind of using authority to your own benefit and understanding where you can mm -hmm. slip through the loopholes of authority very similar to like yeah. understanding the laws and then kind of like the flexibility of the laws our brains work exactly like yeah like like, yeah. like Professors want your brain to work. It does make sense that you yeah. would go into that. But it's funny how when you say like we went into law, it's like we went into law. It's not just like I went. It's yeah. like it was a group kind of consensus. Decision, yeah. You yeah. Know, a bilateral, you know, subconscious <laughs> maybe like agreement, you know. So it, it, was it one of you guys that kind of spearheaded that? No, like, I think. No, no recollection. I don't even that. remember. I don't just, remember any It was just like, just you guys both woke up on the same exact morning and then just looked at each other and was like, we're going into the No, I don't yeah. even... Th I don't was, think it was it a was moment very like gradual. That. I don't remember any yeah. particular... It was probably a gradual, like, you know, let's take the LSAT. That's probably just in case we want to, you know, like, okay, sure, let's take mm -hmm. the LSAT. And then, well, you know, let's... These poli-sci classes are fun. Well, we should probably take some pre-law classes. Yeah, sure. And then, you know, I mean, I guess we're going to go to law school. Like, yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably more like that. Sure. And it was like waking up in the morning. And, right. And then you guys ended up practicing law. You presided over like that Enron, Enron case, which I like, we did a whole study of that in my business law class, oh, which yeah. is really fun. That's yeah, cool. I didn't know that you did that. And then you were the first one that was like, I want to be, or you wanted to travel. travel. Yeah. Well, Wait, I hated the law. Yeah. What did you hate most about law? I didn't hate the law per se. I hated being a lawyer. I hated being a corporate lawyer. I hated anything about corporate America. It was like... So because I mean, like, think, listen to everything I've said, you know, for the last half an hour about my personality, and then put me in a box, and have people just tell me what to do. That's essentially what it was, and I was like, by box I mean like an office. Sure. Granted, it was you know with views in the tallest building in the West Coast, but it was still like a box, and I was absolutely miserable. It was eating at me psychologically, like every day. It was absolutely miserable. Even to this day, it's like it's scarring even to think about those years. Oh, really? Yeah. But by all ava available data, like you probably were making more money. Oh, yeah. You had oh, more status yeah. than yeah. ever. You had fed your ego, right? I was in one of the top law firms in the country making 150K at 26 and 19 and 2000 and whatever. I mean, oh, that's I was, a yeah. lot. I was, I was my own secretary. I forgot. Yeah, that's city. a lot. I was balling by any 
objective measure. How nervous were you to give that up? Not very, because I was so miserable. So it made the decisions really easy after a while. I just hit to a point. I remember I was like three years in, um, they were trying to give me this shit-ass case. I mean, absolutely just disgusting case. It was like one of those cases that, you know, they just dread giving to anybody, but I just got sucked into it. And I, just, and I, cause I didn't wake up that morning thinking I was going to leave it. And I just like, you know what? No, I'm done. And I went back to my office and I, uh, I drafted a resignation email and walked into the managing partner's office like an hour after this, like it right. literally just, it all happened in that hour. And, and I said, uh, yeah, I'm going to be leaving the law. He's like, Oh, what firm are you going to lateral to? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm out. I, I bought a one way ticket to London. I think during that hour, no. I shit you not. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? I remember this conversation, actually. He's like, well, what are you going to do if you're not going to transfer to another firm? I'm like, I'm just going to travel. And he's like, looked at me for a second, and it was like half confusion, <laughs> but half jealousy, you know? And then he's like, all right, well, I wish you the best of luck. And I walked out, and I was like, I mean, I put you in my quit two, on the I had day. two, okay, I had two weeks, weeks sure. but I mean, pretty much the, they, they didn't give me the case. Yeah. I didn't like work another hour. Right. And I was like, that was it. It was how, weird. It how just did happened. You the, like, did you have the savings to be able to do that? No. So how did you no. fund the trip? Oh, I had a Jansport with my shoes dangling from the shoelaces tight of the Jansport. And I just took off to Costa Rica and it was the beginning of a four-year journey. And how I came back- How did you make money like, for four years? Well, then? I did like a couple little things in real estate. Uh, I came back pretty significant in debt with my bro and my mom and my dad. When I was done traveling, I was like 100K mm-hmm. in debt. It was, you know, not the most genius idea on, on paper. Yeah. But, you know, I, I look back at that time as pretty pretty awesome. You know what's cool is a lot of people think that in order to change, you need to make the change desirable. But a lot of the times, it's just staying the same, being so undesirable. That spurs the change. Rather yeah, than for me, it was that. Everyone's treat. like, oh my God, you're so, you're so yeah. ballsy. You're so, how, do you, how did you have the balls to do it? I was like, honestly, I, I couldn't take another day. It was, it was the easiest decision ever. Mm-hmm. There's no balls necessary. Hmm. You know, That's the way I look at it. Yeah. And what prompted you to follow that? Did you see him traveling, or uh, just yeah, like, just oh man, traveling. it seems amazing? Because I'm more yeah. of a grinder, so I can, yeah. like, I can put my head down and I can grind pretty hard. So that's what I was doing. So I wasn't as unhappy as him. Um, but yeah, seeing him traveling, you know, all around the world, I was like, within about six months, I, I said I have to quit too. And then and the economy was, took a shit, yeah. and then everyone started traveling. Every banker, lawyer, and so it was like a group of us. Yeah, like, so we were just it's like twelve of us traveling with us. So we spent over three years just traveling the world. Uh, just sold everything we owned, you know. Literally, I think everything except a backpack and some clothes. We would come back to the U.S. You know, every few months, do some laundry, say hi to the family, and then right. we'd take off again. Didn't have a winter for four years. Were you not worried about making money? I was worried the whole like, the whole time. Yeah. I didn't, I like a low grade background anxiety the whole time, you know. Which is actually when I came back to the states after four years, I got really run down and sick for a long time, like a year. Really, I think it was all of that like low grade anxiety building up and just eating at my hormonal system, but. Not to say I didn't enjoy those times, but yeah, it wasn't physically probably the greatest thing on my body. I didn't have that much anxiety. I, <laughs> oh, you were just I all came in. back in well, you had probably more money. forty grand. Yeah, I left with a hundred grand. I'd saved over like four years of being a lawyer, a hundred grand, which is just embarrassing because you think about what it takes to get a house right mm-hmm. now. And I spent four years at like a top law firm, and you know. I was making like two fifty a year, and I saved a hundred grand. Were you just spending years. a whole bunch of money? No, I wasn't. No? I was living in a one-bedroom well, we apartment for yeah, most well, of we it. Well, then how did you not have money? It's just hard to save. I mean, you make even if you're making two hundred grand a year, and you're paying taxes. You probably clear like one twenty. You spend, you know, probably 
at least 75 of that. So you're saving like 30 grand a year. I wasn't gram, yeah. you know, I brought my coffee from home. So yeah, I saved no, some sure money on that. Yeah. Were you frugal? Or no, no, we've always, no, that's I'm the not, thing I've, been I've picked up on. Like, I heard you guys have a crazy clothing budget. Like it doesn't even, we have a crazy everything budget. We definitely enjoy spending money. We enjoy having fun and, and the nice things in life. So I would say we're the opposite of frugal. We also have no kids, no girlfriends, no pets. Well, you kind of have pets, but we don't have that <laughs> much responsibility. That so it's like, yeah, okay, fine. But you know what I mean? We just don't have that much responsibility. So it's not like we're blowing our kids' inheritance or, or not being able to send them to college if we like, do something dumb. Yeah. But does part of you think like, you know, I would like to settle down. I would like to, you know, buy a ranch and then go be a, like, you know what I mean? No. Not, not, not a single I mean, maybe one down the ounce road, of you. But I, should, I have, not, should I have taken more time on that so it didn't seem like... <laughs> no, no, I, I love, love, love the resounding yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I'm pretty happy single. I mean, I have tried, you know, a couple times, but I'd say it's probably in the future for me if I'm going to settle down. And I don't even know if I will. But if I'm going to get married, it's probably not going to be any time too soon. But one of the main arguments is that, like, it's kind of a long-term investment. You don't really see the the, the, the growth, the gains of it until later down the line when you're like 80 and you're like, well, I've been with this person for 40 years. Yeah, they know have, me so intimately. We have each other though. So I think but you that... guys aren't kissing, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Unless if, hey, maybe you I are. Know, I, I don't know. That's, I mean, go yeah, that's how you make up after the fight. That's how you <laughs> solve the problem. But, but, but if you get, well, go ahead. If you think about, I think why a lot of people get married or are um, wanting of a serious relationship, if you really get down to it, I think it's because they don't want to feel alone in the world. It's, it's not, not kissing. It's not, it's not to say it's... <laughs> but really, though, it's like being, it's having a, someone to call when something good happens. Have, having someone to call when something bad happens. Having someone... Sharing no, something. No it's one just a partner. Right? Knowing yeah. that someone's right. going to be there if something Companion. ever goes wrong with your health right. or anything. Like, just, you're not alone in the universe. There, you, you have that, that person. I think that's why people really seek these relationships. You can get sex or kissing elsewhere. You can't get what I'm talking about elsewhere. You need a partner. You need typically a partner... You know, like a sexual partner, like a wife or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And if you have, if you already have those needs fulfilled, the non-sexual ones, then you know, I think naturally the desire for that dissipates. I'm speculating. Or the need. That is so fascinating that you say that because. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and six one since that matters, and what do I even say other than hey. Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Because, okay, this is, I don't know if I'm getting into dicey territory here, but the type of emotional connection that I have with a couple of my boys, like my friends, the people that I am so close to, is like a hundred times what I have ever had in my entire life with someone who I'm like a, like a intimate partner with, you know what I mean? And now when you're saying it, it's like, I mean, you're just doing what you want, right? You see the value there and it's more valuable doing that than finding a, maybe some woman that you don't have that emotional connection with. we have really with. close relationships with many women and men. So we have like a very healthy like friendships that I think, so I get in some ways so much from my friendships, my, my brother, that I would get in a relationship. But your emotional stimulation and and that sort of stuff is satisfied by... Yeah, I mean, exactly. It and I also just like dude. being alone, too. Like, it is awesome to come home, put my dog on my lap, and watch TV. So yeah, let, me, you know? let me just... I think I would be more than able to connect to a partner 
not in the same way we do emotionally because we don't have the history, but mm-hmm. in a way that's incredibly fulfilling. I've had some incredibly fulfilling relationships with women, psychologically, emotionally, physically, in, in ways that, you know, that I don't have with them. It's not that I can't get that and that I don't enjoy that. It's just that that type of relationship, other than the one with your, you know, that I have with him or the one that you have with your boys, there's massive compromise associated with it. That's the issue. I don't think the issue is that I can't connect in that way or that I don't want to. Uh, it's the, the compromise that comes with it. I don't compromise shit with him. If he tells me to do something, I tell him to fuck He's off. He's not really good yeah. at, at, I'm much better at compromising. <laughs> so you, but, your boys it seems like. So I'm better in relationships. Like I could just be. But your boys don't very, make you compromise, do they? I mean. No. You know? No. So, and a, so a girlfriend nice. does. So that's the difference. Or a wife certainly does. You would know? you guys ever live in the same house? No, we would fight. We've tried. We lived in the same house for a couple of years. We fought yeah. every day. Oh, it's brutal. So no, we'll never live in the same house. He's like a child. The way yeah. he... Even working he together, do he can't even work like... in the same office. Yeah, it's tough. If it wasn't for yeah. his assistant and his like in-house, basically nanny, his house would be a disaster. Oh my God, living with him was a disaster. I'm like Really? OCD. I imagine you to be so clean. Well, now I, see I everything I guess like now. But I don't like... I don't clean. But, but yeah. yeah, here's the thing. Like if, if his... Uh, I'm gonna call her a nanny. <laughs> isn't isn't this there? Adult nanny. If, yeah. if she doesn't show up for three days, the sink is like he no, literally won't do he's one. Serious. He's like, well, she's yeah, coming back on Friday. I'm like, dude, but it doesn't mean you can't like, you know. That's that's so. Imagine that, but with no nanny living with that, but with no nanny, it's brutal. Yeah, I will not do a dish. I haven't. Yeah. I can, oh I, it will sit in the sink until Monday. And, and that gives yeah. me anxiety. Like one dish in the sink gives me anxiety. I'm just like my place has to be spotless. So it, it was brutal living with him. I've never it's, thought like I feel like a very fulfilling life could just be living near doesn't have to be in the same house as like your boys right and yeah. then you get all the fulfillment and satisfaction you need out of that and then elsewhere you can find we're else you very desire. fulfilled i would say i mean we are very two very happy people i would say very fulfilled um and we get getting that we're, we're very yeah. close with our family very close with both male and female friends we have each other and we have great relationships when, when we're in them um, so yeah, I mean we yeah we do have great lacking. female relationships, yeah. just not like the, the long term monogamous, but yeah. outstanding relationships with women. Have you always been good with women? I've been curious about this. Um, yeah, yeah, our whole lives. Yeah, really. yeah, just natural. At what at what age did that start that you realized? Hey, Three? maybe I've. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, yeah, at an early age. Yeah. yeah, but I wouldn't say until maybe high school. I started like batting out of my league. I guess you would call it. I don't know. Uh, in high school. Yeah, it wasn't like I was like I, yeah. I wasn't dating the cutest girl in the school in middle sure. school or anything. But we always yeah. we started to come above our weight class and yeah. say with women. And how do you do that? What what Dude, led to that? We're asked that know? all the time. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea. That that's in your bones. Yeah, you'd have to ask you know? the women that we date. It's hard for me sure. to answer that. That just has to be in your natural personality, your natural demeanor, your natural confidence. A lot of it's confidence. But yeah. again, we weren't coached in confidence. We just a lot of this is is in your bones. I'm not to say you can't improve as a person, but speaking from I mean. Correct me if you disagree, mm-hmm. but I, I was born that way. Yeah. And I'm not bragging. I'm lucky, you know. Do you feel well, like I still think yeah. it's? I think I don't think it's uh, nature as much as nurture. I think you're minimizing the influence that our parents had, but I think it is nature and nurture. Do you think your height has held you back or made it better for you in such a way that you stand out? I'd say neither. You know, I don't think about it. I don't. I, I think if we were six yeah. three with these personalities, we would. It would be scary. <laughs> it would be scary. Yeah, yeah I think, we're I, I think quite, God only yeah. gives you so much, <laughs> you know? And we don't really, I've never, we don't really dwell on things, you know? So I don't really think about it. Yeah, much. I'll go like years without thinking about it. Maybe that's why it doesn't matter, because it doesn't matter to us. Sure. All of a sudden it doesn't matter. Like, that's I've definitely been with yeah. women who, uh, Chriselle is a perfect example. Yeah. She would, if you had 
talked to her before she met me, she would have never been with someone under like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, so sometimes, you know, the women just don't expect it. Then, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've been with women that like tall guys. I've been with six foot, with multiple, dated multiple women six feet tall. It is really, I think what they're attracted to is your personality and your the way you carry yourself. I'll give you a, an example. Um, I went to the, a doctor's office years ago, new doctor, had never met him. And I was in the chair waiting for him. And he came up and he, you know, shook my hand. Like, you know, we were standing and I shook his hand and we talked for a little bit. And then we both sat back down. And he was like taking my, you know, weight, eye color, whatever, height. And he's like, what are you like, 5'11", 6? And I thought he was fucking with me. You know, and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, how tall are you? I'm like, bro, I, we just met. Like, I was studying right now. I was, I'm 5'5". Five, five. He's like, oh, I don't know. I just, you struck me like after meeting you, I just felt like you were six feet tall. Yeah. And I, I think that's how women like look at it. They just, I mean, yeah, some women really don't like the height issue. But honestly, if you just naturally have like an aura about you of like, I don't give a fuck how tall I am. And, and trust me, I'm a, you're going to, you know, I'm a, mm-hmm. you're not going to regret dating me. They, they don't, they don't, <laughs> they don't give a shit. Nobody really does. Yeah. It's interesting. You guys do surround yourself with very tall people. A lot of people in the office were all like six foot. Well, and they also wear two, heels then, all the time. Yeah, so yeah on, with heels, you know. Yeah. A lot of my yeah. friends are. I don't even notice yeah. height. You know, I, I had a friend, well, Omar and Alex, I had, they're both, I think, six four. Yeah. I had no idea. I think I was asking them for some reason how tall they were. And he said six four. I'm like, what? Like, if you had asked me the day before, I would be like five ten. Like, <laughs> I don't see height because almost everyone's taller than me. Right. Which, by the way, uh, that reminds me because there's very few people that can wear my clothes but I yeah. have clothes that don't fit me anymore so I'm going to give them to Bro, you yeah, like they're this nice one. too because right? I know you, you won't do, buy you yourself do, nice you stuff on the pod because this thing's epic okay I'll go get them and give them to okay. you like, I was, this, whole, this whole outfit by the way I think this is yours Brett's uh, pants Jason <laughs> he wears your clothes and Bro, every single gonna, time I come over he's like I got on this new outfit you're gonna <laughs> he's all, and he goes he goes it's nice. You're gonna shit yeah. when you every see single time. Like, when I saw this, yeah, I'm like, "Are you yeah. sure this doesn't fit me?" Because oh my god, holy piece of clothing. Crap. This is this epic. is a suyed Saint Laurent jacket. I wore it one time. No way, dude. I'm so pissed that. it doesn't fit me. And then matching yeah, Saint Laurent uh, pants because I tailored them no. too much. That's like a oh, $3,500 jacket. And it's gonna fit you like yeah. a glove. I knew it. Look at that. Come on. That is insane. If any wealthy viewer has some old clothes that doesn't fit them anymore, please reach <laughs> oh out to me. Oh my gosh. DM me. Yeah, that's nice, huh? that's crazy. Yeah. Thank you. I tried to oh, I tried to let the arms perfect, out. Perfect, Graham. I know. That's crazy. I took it to the tailor yeah. last week. I'm like, yeah. take the, the sleeves out because my arms are getting too big. And they said they can't. So I'm like, fucking Graham. I know a guy with really small arms. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I stopped working Hey, out. Graham, yeah. do not edit that out of the out of the file. <laughs> So this non-frugality that you guys have is very funny when you juxtapose it with Graham's I know. insane frugality. Like insane frugality. You know Still that, doesn't that get double we, chicken uh, when we go to Chipotle. No, and he just nuts, asks for a little bit more instead and hopes that they don't charge him. It's, it's insane. I love it about no, that. No, I would take him to lunch every day yeah. when we were agents together. And we'd go to like the, you know, Chipotle or, or what's that? Tokaya. Tokaya. And he would, I was paying, so he would get like a large lunch. And he would eat half of it, and then he would box the other half up. Yeah. And if anyone at the table, he would always grab everything that everyone left and put it in the box for his dinner. Yeah. Every single day. Or the next day. I remember I asked you yeah. once, I was like, dude, how much do you have to be worth for you to like go into a Trader Joe's, or because you'll never go into Whole Foods, and just not give a shit what the blueberries cost, or what the, what nothing cost, just not give yeah. a shit, you know? And, I, and he's like, 100 million? <laughs> 
<laughs> I think he'll always. Oh, I remember like, when we went like gambling. Now fifty million. <laughs> Maybe fifty. I think it went down to fifty. Okay. <laughs> I think I talked him down to fifty. Yeah. Inflation though, you might yeah, bring that up to like twenty dollars blue. Oh, and we went gambling, and he lost like twenty bucks on blackjack, and he was devastated. Oh, it ruins his night. I he, was like, dude. Like, you he have gets a problem. Furious when he and he like balls up his fists and like so upset. Yeah, he's scared he's gonna hit me or something. No, that's a joke. No, that's a joke. No, no. But it, yeah, he does get very upset when he loses money <laughs> yeah. or has to spend. Did money. you learn that or is that in your bones? I think that was in my bones. I think I've always just. So now you know like what that. I mean when I say something's in my right. bones. Right. It's like you have to beat that out of me. Right. We're literally yeah. the opposite. I have never been concerned about money. I've always always felt like I'll be successful. So I've just always spent like I've had it, even when I didn't. I mean, when I was a. Uh, when I graduated law school, I had no, no money, obviously. I was in a little bit of debt. And I took my summer associate paychecks, and I went to a lender, and I bought a $100,000 SL500 Mercedes. And I hadn't even passed the bar exam yet. So I had a $110,000 car. I put zero money down. This is back when you could do that in, like, I don't know, early 2000s. And I pulled up as a first-year associate. Well, luckily, I passed the bar. And pulled up as a first-year associate driving the nicest car I had the, in the, the entire parking garage. Both of us were, oh, like, really? We went from $300 cars to this, like, $100,000. Why cars. did you need that, though? Why that? I just long? enjoyed it. I thought it was a cool car. Like, I've always... Because we could. We've always yeah. just, you know, spent like we were going to be successful. I don't necessarily Dude, recommend Dude, this is not... This is horrible advice. <laughs> just say it. <laughs> just to make that Don't clear. follow this. Yeah. 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 But do you also, think, the yeah. other thing is, oddly enough, I don't think we cared. When we came back from traveling, we... We, we left very prestigious, you know, successful and financially rewarding jobs. Came back. I was driving my grandpa's like 1974, like gold Lincoln Navigator. It was overheating all the time. It was like a $900 car. I actually sold it for $900 mm-hmm. um, at a, to a gas station. And I didn't care. Like I, I was living in the, a one-bedroom apartment with Alex, like, you know, going back between the bed and the uh, couch like mm-hmm. every month. I was still happy. When we our happiest years, you know, we're, we're really happy now. But we were, you know, working on our hot rods and eating, you know, uh, eating burritos out of the you know roach coach mm-hmm. and just wearing you know tank tops and going to the gym and no money and no cares. I mean, I, I think we've never been concerned about being. There was there was a year where, where we went to Subway 360 of the 365 days because they had like dollar six inch sandwiches and whatever the dollar six inch sandwich was that day. We and we were super happy. We were super happy. Right. Like we had our friends. Our we would just work out. We had our, you know, our hot rods. Where do you get that inner confidence from? Because I, I don't feel think like it's inner confidence. It's, it's okay so. with to things do what, going to buy the cars? Poorly, right? No. It's, it's just, like, just to well, be no, okay Well, no, I never thought things would go wherever you but, but you were yeah. comfortable if they, like, it didn't matter if you were back on someone's couch in somebody's apartment, right? Well, it would matter if I was a failure like it would matter if i wasn't successful successful or working towards something which one you know i'm okay working towards something okay but i would not be happy and i would not be able to live with myself if i wasn't becoming successful becoming like, there we go yeah okay. i didn't see like a growth you know pattern for myself mm-hmm. so it doesn't mean that i you know can eat from a food truck every day i'm fine with that as long as i know that i'm, I'm working towards something can, can i give you a, a esoteric but int- really interesting example if, mm-hmm. if it, it might be a little bit hard to follow, but if you really get it, I think it's like one of the best things you can learn in life, if I can get this correct. They're, they did um, they did testing on, uh, experiment on mice, and there was three different groups of mice. Okay, it's horrible that they do this, but just follow the... <laughs> so, so 50 mice, 50 mice, 50 mice in like three different cages, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they would subject them, they, they gave all 150 mice a serum that gave them a 50% chance of getting cancer. Okay, brutal, but just follow they subjected the mice to different i'm gonna try to get this right um sets of electric shocks okay and the electric shocks so there was there was 50 that got no electric shocks just the serum so 
24 of the 50 got cancer. Right around 25 of them got can got cancer. Then there was 50 mice that were that were subjected to electric shocks randomly. They could do nothing about it. The mice just they couldn't do anything. They just got electric shocks every once in a while. And then there was 50 mice that got electric shocks. But if they ran over to a pedal and pushed the pedal, the electric shocks would stop. But they were subjected to, and this is important, the same amount of aggregate electric shocks than the 50 mice that couldn't that didn't have the pedal. Okay, so same amount of electric shocks. But 50 of the mice had no um, control. No control over their their outcomes. No control over stopping the shocks. And 50 of the mice had an illusion of control. They could go push the pedal and stop the shock. But they were still getting the same amount of shocks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The 50 mice that had no control of, the, um, of their lives, essentially, 80% of them got cancer just because of the, the psychological wear of that, of that, you know, basically torture. I, to I already told you 50% of the mice that got no shocks got the cancer because the serum gave you a 50% chance mm -hmm. of getting cancer. The 50 mice that got shocks but had the, an, an illusion of control over their lives that could push the pedal and stop the shocks temporarily got less cancer than the group of mice that had no electric shocks at all. And I think that's very true, if you, if you can follow that, yeah. mm -hmm. with humans. You don't have to have a good life. You have to feel like you're in control of your, of your future, like you have a sense of purpose. It is not the amount of electric shocks in your life, you know, just whatever is coming at you in life that makes you happy or, or makes you even physically healthy. It is just so he can be on a couch or whatever it is, rotating with his friend. It's not the circumstances per se that make your life happy or make it even um, healthy for your physical being. It's your illusion of, okay, I'm going somewhere, or I am, I'm in the process of becoming successful, or I feel like empowered in some way, or I feel like I have a sense of purpose. And then you can even have a shittier life than a lot of other people, but you're actually physically healthier and happier. If that... It does it's, make it's sense. It's a weird yeah. way to, but I, when I read this this mice study, it like blew my mind, and it's so applicable to human beings. Like we were as happy in junior college. You can edit that you out. Was that just a ramble? I loved it. No, no. Okay. and I've actually heard some. Yeah. I think I heard that study or a study. Akin it's a famous to that. study yeah. that's been duplicated, and it's really has interesting findings if you mm -hmm. get into it. But go ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying, like as happy as I'd say we are now, I think that we were equally happy, you know, when we were. 20 years old at community college, you know, no money, you know, sleeping on a couch, but working towards law school or, you know, or working our way through school because we had a purpose, like we knew where we were going. So we had a plan and, you know, we just had friends. We were hanging out, working out and so such amazing years. We've never needed, you know, success or, you know, a ton of money. I never thought I would be this, you know, financially successful, but I've been happy for a long time, you know, well before I had any success, just because I had good friends and I can, I had a plan. Do you, I mean, have you heard of like the, the happiness baseline, the theory that everybody has a certain happiness baseline It's predetermined by the time you're born and then throughout life, obviously you'll go above it, you'll go beneath it. But generally speaking, you're always going to return to your baseline. Some people's baselines are very low. It's like a two or a three, yeah. five being average seven, maybe you're a pretty happy person. Some people are just happy all the time and something horrible can happen to them maybe they like lose an arm or something like that and they'll go down but then they end up going right back to that baseline do you believe in that or do you think that the baseline can be adjusted and you can truly make long-term effects on your happiness levels over time oh i definitely think you can i mean you can have a good relationship um mm -hmm. you know a, a healthy you know relationship with your family you can have financial success another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, there's a lot of things that can improve your baseline, I think, for sure. But, but also, I agree with that. I think there's a lot of merit in what you're saying. I don't think that those two things can't live in the same world. What you're saying, what he's yeah, saying. I agree with the baseline. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some people who are just naturally a little just you know, happier, uh, depressed, yeah. and there's some people right. who are naturally just. I think happy. there's a lot of merit to but that. But you can but, definitely adjust it. Yeah, what he's saying is you can adjust it. You can go from a two to a seven. Right. You know, but uh, right. But there, I think there, I think there's a lot of merit to that. Yeah. I've just yeah. noticed some people, like especially growing up, you know, with people I went to elementary school with, like they seemed happy back then, and they've always continued to be happy even through pretty tragic tragic events that have happened in their life, mm-hmm. and they say yeah, stay the exact same. Well, I think there are people who let life happen to them and then there are people who like create their life if you're like i would say that we're people who just create our life but maybe you were predetermined to do that and and that is i think that's true indicative of a higher baseline you know i think that's right i think people with purpose are generally happier so um in that sense you can if you give yourself purpose or you find purpose in your life you can increase Mm -hmm. your baseline but i do think there are people with low baselines that can make a lot of good decisions and work really hard towards being happy and it's it's 10 times as hard for them to be happy as it is for somebody who's naturally happy so i think there's a lot of merit to that there's also a problem there because we had hormozy on the podcast he said one thing that really stuck out to me which is like if you think that achieving a certain something will make you happy you are creating a dissonance between where you are currently and what you need in order to Mm -hmm. become happy and therefore you're placing all the importance in the ends and not necessarily in the means and the people that are truly happy in this life pays place enjoy all the, the importance yeah. on the means yeah no know? a lot that's, of people don't enjoy the process they are they're true. so focused on yeah there are, and, there are very few people that are like oh when i'm 65 i'm gonna retire and, I'm gonna be happy, and everything's like you know at that mm-hmm. and they don't really enjoy it up to that point none of those people are when, when they get the retirement when they get the whatever it is they're always like what the f-? really yeah this was One thing was all you said, I really liked it, was that every six months, every three to six months, you reevaluate where your happiness is on a scale, and if it's going down, you, you change your circumstances so that you'll be happier. And you yeah. do this in business, relationships, friendships, whatever it might be. I found that really insightful. I think that's really helpful for me. What metrics do you use to gauge your happiness? I'm, I'm guessing you probably do something similar, yeah, right? We, it's just, we do a wonder, I, I ask a lot of, uh, I ask a lot of my friends, like, I'll be like, hey, how, um, you know, how's your happiness been the last six months, one to 10? And then, you know, some people will hem and haw, will be like, it's up and down. I'm like, I know, I know, but just overall, um, I do that to myself all the time. Like I make sure that I'm at least a seven. If I'm going several months and my average happiness isn't a seven, then I, I adjust something. What do you adjust? Like, do you know it could be, all, like, it could be a relationship, it could depleted? be work. Um, it could, I, I have to analyze why I'm not happy. I could go, you know, I see a therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they probably I'm, know you pretty intimately happy. as well. They're like, hey, I noticed you're spending a lot of time lately on this or you're missing out on this. And you're getting influences, like you're asking people, maybe like, hey, what does it seem like I'm lacking? No, and then they no, give you that, I or it's all intro. myself. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I will see a therapist and kind of like walk through what's going on. And you um, found good results from diagnosing the issue and truly actually like solving the underlying. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, I can adjust my happiness like a, about a point just by like, maybe I'm working too hard, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe I need more vacation. Maybe uh, I'm not, you know, happy in a relationship or maybe um, I need more purpose or I, maybe I want to, you know, or I'm, maybe I'm spending too much. I mean, I'll just figure out like why I'm a little off kilter. You haven't been working out, maybe. Yeah, or maybe mm-hmm. I haven't been. I realize I've been partying too much. Party yeah. too literally. So what I find interesting in that is the underlying belief that you have 
not total, but a lot of control over your just general happiness. Because I feel like it's kind of a taboo topic now where a lot of people think that like you just kind of are a product of the environment and you can't necessarily take control of your own happiness and do certain things and oh you go to the gym you wake up at this time you drink a lot of water this will actually make you happy a lot of people is that a product of our times i'm not keen to that i mean it's kind of like a thing nowadays like like personal development self-development and stuff like that people toss it out the window they think like oh that's a bunch of well i think there has become a very significant (laughs) victim mentality going Mm -hmm. on right now in society where i think people rather than take the initiative and and not make excuses People are making excuses for themselves a lot. I, I, and maybe this is just my perspective, but I do feel like a lot of people these days are making excuses as opposed to like the way we grew up, we would not make excuses for ourselves. We would just go fix it. And we're also know? not types to like listen to self-help stuff. We're just like, hmm. it's not that complicated to mm-hmm. go to the gym and go out socially and just do basic things that are good for your body and your soul. It's not, you don't, I don't personally need yeah. to listen to a 14 part uh, series on, or, or read books on that kind of stuff. It's funny. That was one of the, uh, the the big clips from Andrew Tate was that if you feel bad about yourself or if you're depressed, go to the gym and get a six pack and then come back and see your happiness level and how fulfilled you are. And yeah. in those cases, I'm sure a lot of people who just go to the gym and work on getting a six pack and just have one goal to work towards find themselves thinking if I could achieve that one thing, I could do this and this and this and all the doors seem to open up. I've, I've heard Jordan Peterson say, clean your room. Yeah. It's yeah, the same concept. I, I agree with bed. that. I, clean your room, yeah. make your bed, go to the gym, go out to a bar by yourself if you don't have friends. Just do basic shit and don't, just don't have a victim mentality. Just do it. And you don't need to read a book or listen to a, a That's part That's so series. fascinating that you say like, you don't look into self-help yet it appears like you guys are very happy and healthy people. One of, I feel like the most mentally healthy or the friend that I have that I've known for a very long time. I asked him because I had been going through like the self-help phase where I'm reading all these personal development books, et cetera. And he was like, yeah, I, I threw all that stuff out the window. I stopped reading it. And he's like, it's all just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. You just have to be happy. I, which I obviously it's, it's very easy to say that, which is it's interesting, but it seems as though it actually works for me. I do think that there is, I will give credence to those who say the happiest people are the ones who do not read the self-development do, books because seekers will always know, be seekers. Do you know happy people yeah. that are always looking at reading self-help books? That are super happy. I feel like it could get you on the right path, though. It can give you some you know? tools, it you a direction. It's necessary, yeah. but it doesn't you know? fix it. And if you think it's going to fix it, then you're in for a rude awakening. Yeah, I think maybe that's the know? issue. They think it's going to fix it. And, yeah. and there's another uh, a thing that was in a book, self help, ironically, that I read, which is that seekers will always be seekers. You just have to be a finder. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't don't always think that this you you have to find. Or it's like taking fifty different out. vitamins instead of eating well. And it, exactly. Also, I yeah, think yeah. There's yeah. a there's a kind of a get rich quick mentality to it meaning like you're trying to get an easy answer mm-hmm. and most often in life there aren't easy answers most often it's just hard work and people don't want to like recognize that they want to think that there's some trick i mean people come up to me like oh you know what how can i be successful in real estate like as though i can just tell them mm-hmm. something in 10 seconds it's going to make it easy i might how about work your fucking ass off for the next decade but nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. I want to know about the abundance mentality that i see in you guys this is something i talked to yeah. graham about a lot actually because i think Obviously, there are a bunch of different groups of people, but I, I see the main two as abundance versus scarcity mentality people. Graham, I think, is, is very clear he's a scarcity mentality person. I'm not saying one yeah. is better than the other, yeah. okay? But I do think that there's some, like, you feel like a weight is lifted off of your shoulders. You can see someone, they look less stressed out when they're an abundance mentality person. You know what I mean? Where do you guys think this abundance mentality originated? And I'm sure seeing a lot of wealthy people all of the time as agents, brokers, etc., um, you probably see these two 
archetypes, right? The abundance mentality person. I, I gotta be honest, I never use classifications like that because I feel like everything's on a scale in society. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, a huge like reaction to try to, there's two different types, three different types. There, I don't think there ever is in, in pretty much anything. I think every human being is, we're just on a scale of one to a hundred on everything. I don't think there's ever. I, but I, I do, I think that there is merit in saying that like, if there is a spectrum of abundance and sc yeah. scarcity, like people a, can skew towards. There are certainly people yeah. in spectrum. Right, right. right. And I'm not just labeling because, of course, you can have probably a scarcity thought here yeah. and there. And he can have But there are people thought. that are, I mean, I, I don't even, um, I mean, I agree with the camps to some degree. Um, but I think that there are people who are just always scared, you know, or concerned. And there are people who just aren't, you know, and, are, and will take more risks. Like we've always been risk takers because we don't, we're not scared people. Um, and so I think that's helped us out a lot. Just always taking risks. Do you see an overall difference in like the general fulfillment and happiness levels of people who come or who err more on the side of an abundance mentality or the scarcity mentality? Because they both are actually good in and of themselves well, because they spur, they spur, they spur being productive. What's your happiness? One to 10. What's my happiness? I'd say some days a six, no, some average days in the a, last six months. Average last yeah. six months, probably a six. I would say, which is a little lower. Because you worked too hard or what? Uh, I would personally, I think it's lack of a direction and lack of feeling like mm -hmm. it's bit like I I've talked before about being in the flow state where it's just like you're just zoning in on one thing. Mm -hmm. I have not found what that thing is for me yet. I love the podcast, but it's not okay. something I could do 10 what hours about the last day. five years up until the last six months? Uh, probably eight. Okay. Overall. So, so, but, so that, that's, that's yeah. the mouse that has the pedal versus the mouse that doesn't. Yeah. Right? Right. Or, no, or, or does that not make sense? No, it, it does. What, having control of my you life? You had the yeah. pedal the last five years Correct. up until six months. Now you don't have No, now, now I have a pedal. It's just I have so many pedals to pick from that it's it's like okay. figuring out what I want to do and now really where the direction people. is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Which is my interesting because yeah. when, when I talked to you five years ago, you wanted to be in this position yes. five years ago. Yeah. So it's interesting how now you're looking back and you were happier then because you were like oh, i need to slow down like i can't keep this pace up you wanted more time yeah now i was happiest when it. i came to you and i'm like dude i'm too busy yeah and, exactly. and you're telling me to ease back and i'm like no i have to keep going yeah i, I was happy i, I, I don't think point. there's yeah. a big difference in the, between the scarcity and the abundance as far as happiness i don't think that's what defines your your mm -hmm. happiness very much at all that's interesting I, so i, I just want yeah a sense of purpose to me sense of purpose yeah and, and control over your life but i, I, I would say that if you're if if that sense of scarcity gives you anxiety um, then it's going to make you it unhappy. Make difference. I mean, I think that they're both just tools that people use to be productive, to get things done. Is out of scarcity or out of abundance? I just can. But yeah, and sure. and that's interesting. Yeah. So you said you're at a six right now, but over the past yeah. five years you've been at eight. You said an eight. So yeah. when have you ever been being below a five? Because five would be average, right? So that would mean a, you know, within the standard deviation, yeah. like most of your time, eighty-seven percent or whatever. Yeah, is well, within... I don't. I don't know. How per Usually we end up cutting out the personal bits, so I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I, I think a lack of challenge for me is, is the big thing. Is, is I don't have that challenge of, of the newness of something that I could work on. But you're still above average. Overall, yeah. Because he's a good but I think, objective life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, above average for yourself. I'm not asking like relative to other yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Above average for myself overall. But mm -hmm. recently, I'd say the last six months has been just a lack of direction. Because I feel like I've done what I set out to do. What's next? Hmm. I think that's... So an answer that a lot of people would give it's that's why when, when people retire sometimes they're less happy yeah yeah um you do need that's why i like you know as much as i don't want to like go open up another office i'll go open up another office because it gives me that sense of purpose and direction you know and uh responsibility and i kind of thrive on like projects that, that's what i was saying earlier this whole this whole mentality which i think is fading now but our parents definitely embraced mm -hmm. it of like i'm gonna do all this until i'm 65 and then retire it never works because they always like 
either get depressed or like die pretty pretty much you know five years after they retire because they have no sense of purpose and they're just that this is everything I worked for my whole life. It's a it's just a horrific mentality to take in life. You just got to look at your life as as like one long journey and not like two a journey to sixty five and then just chilling. It's just never. Never a good outlook. Because Graham's got everything he could possibly want right now, and you're a six instead of an eight. And you had less when you were an eight. So it's the... Right, yeah. So it has nothing to do with that. You were saying that earlier, like people, a lot of people say, I'll be happy when. Mm -hmm. And that when never arrives. Because it does arrive, and there's another when. Mm -hmm. So you're inevitably not going to be happy. So if you have to really just enjoy the process, which is why... Every six months, I look back, and I think we, you know, you yeah. do too, and just. And it's important sure. to, to tell the viewers it's not money that that makes you happy. And I know. I mean, well, to, to, uh, to uh, an extent, uh, it is. Sure, but certainly but, can help. But, yeah, but I mean, all of the psychological studies show this like dramatically. It's it's not like Brett Oppenheim's opinion. There's a certain amount of money. I don't know exactly what it is where you you don't have to super stress on your bills and things mm-hmm. of that nature, and you can go to Trader Joe's and not and get the blueberries and not care about it. Graham's not at that. <laughs> I'm level not there yet. Wealthy, yeah. yet, but he's getting there. <laughs> and then we're, we're you know there's a lot of stress taken off you and between that and a billionaire the level of happiness is almost completely unrelated to money so you Where don't do have you to think be a billionaire point of diminishing returns is a few i, I think the, the actually studies the studies are like, like 350 it, 350 but it, it varies the yeah, point no, is i think it's way lower than that it's literally yeah, i heard it was not, like 100 i think it's like 100. 100. You get diminishing it's, it's enough to be able to pay your electric bill yeah. and pay your rent and pay and get blueberries get, get the without stress yeah well perfect example i mean i we're pretty damn happy i mean i'd say you know maybe even an eight you know on average um, but I would say that some of the best years of our lives, are, oh, at least also in eight, were when we had no money, you know, and we were like in high school, junior college, college, just, you know, struggling around with it. But with our buddies, I had the gym, you know, uh, and I had a car and that's all I needed. So I think, and we did, we did not, we were not making a hundred grand a year. So I think, like you said, as long as you just don't have the stress, like you have a place to go home. And you can feed yourself, you know, it's really, and then it's diminishing returns after that. Not to say that like my, you know, 1965 Bronco doesn't make me happy because it fucking does. I love it. But yeah. all of our wealthy clients are no happier on average than yeah, a lot of true. our friends that don't have money. It, I'd say it's, it's, it's more a, about relationships. Like yeah. if you have good friendships, you're probably going to be happier than a wealthy person. What's something that you notice between your wealthiest clients that you'd say they all tend to have? In terms of maybe a money. personality trait, <laughs> how much um, money? I would say <laughs> it's always money. interesting to yeah. me that my wealthy clients don't spend their money you know they're frugal uh or at least to me they are wealthiest like the, uh, i mean the... i would say that 90 percent of my clients who are wealthy and you know that, that varies from a million dollars to you know a billion dollars um 90 of them don't spend money in, in a manner that i think that they could and should but do you see like within that range a certain concentration like the ultra 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 wealthy percentage of your clients are extra frugal or is it just generally no, speaking I, wealthy people are i'd say more people than people yeah, with yeah. a lot of money you would think like would just spend it like i do mm-hmm. i mean what's the point mm-hmm. of it i mean even if i had kids you know I, yeah i'd make sure that my kids had enough money but um i just it's interesting to me like i'll go out let's say and buy a very expensive 1965 Ford Bronco because I fucking love it. That objectively is fun to drive. And I've got a lot of clients wealthier than me that would like never pay that kind of money for a Bronco. And I'm like, why? You could easily afford that. And it's fun. Like, why would you not do something fun? Different personalities. Yeah, it's just interesting. But but I think why a lot of people don't spend a lot of money is because making money is like a game. I think a lot of people, I would say maybe mostly men, but because they have maybe like more game mentality in their brains, but... I think that they just go through life saying, I want to accumulate as much as I can. Not because I need it, not because I want to spend it. It's just, it's like a game. The more money I'm winning, you know, it's like points. 
And so if they spend their points, then they don't have as many points, even though it doesn't matter because they have enough points to live <laughs> 50 times. But it's just like this point mentality. I'm not saying it's wrong. I feel like a lot of men in particular just have this like this mentality through life. I want to accumulate as many points as possible. Those are the rules, and I want to you know consider myself a winner. And it's not even like it's not a bad thing. I just that's the way they look at money. I think. Does that make sense? That's pretty accurate. Does, I would yeah. say. Yeah. It's, fun, it's I, fun accumulating yeah. points. Whereas like with you, like I, I think you and all of my, you know, wealthy people, my wealthy clients and friends who just spend more. I mean, it is objectively fun to fly all your uh, your friends to Cabo, like what I'm doing this week, and get a nice place. Fun. But I'm sure it would be really fun. fun. But I worry, is that sustainable? Like if your income drops to zero tomorrow, I would, I, could you that's continue the scarcity. doing it? See, I don't like to do things that I know I can't continue. So if I get something, because yeah, I, I worry yeah. if I level up my life, I, I don't want to ever. But go that's down that, from that. That I think that's, that's, that's scarcity. That's the scarcity mentality, and I think, I mean, like for example, like I will fly first class, even though it's obnoxiously expensive, and it doesn't make any sense related to what a coach ticket costs. But, like, what's the point of having money if you're not going to fly first class? But then I feel like you could slowly level up over time. Like if my life gets three percent better every year in terms of a lifestyle, then I know yeah. I could look forward in ten years. From I don't now, have a problem. Be, I don't know, have a problem with your mentality. Better. I yeah. think your mentality yeah. makes a lot of sense. I do. I, I wouldn't dissuade people from that and towards yours yeah. at all. In fact, yeah. if anything, I'd probably dissuade me. people towards Graham's. I think there's something about your personality, and and maybe to a slightly lesser extent, but pretty similar in my personality. That just we get a lot of enjoyment in things from that. I'm not sure I would push that on other people. I think objectively, yeah. on paper, your your scenario makes a lot more sense. Although yeah. I think you could, I think you take it to the extreme. But whatever. Yeah. But I have seen, too, with my own clients, that the wealthier they are, the less likely they are to spend the money. And the first deal I ever did, it was in the flats on Linden Drive, and it sold, I think, at three and a half million bucks That's cash. That's a hell of a first deal. Yeah, three and a half million dollars cash. And the guy was probably spending another two to three million dollars renovating the entire place and like tearing down most of the thing. But I remember with him, he was even negotiating the inspection on the house to get that inspection charge down. Yeah. And I'm talking like saving a hundred bucks. Yeah. And oh, this and guy, that, so that's actually like six million dollars. You probably cash. gravitate towards those clients. I love them. Yeah, yeah he was yeah, great. Like, yeah. That's yeah. a better point, yeah. though, maybe than spending money. Is um, I think at the very least take away the annoyance that that can be caused by having to pay attention to money. Like I have not looked at a restaurant bill in years, so that for me is just peace of mind. I haven't looked at a credit card statement in years. Am I getting screwed? Probably. A lot Everyone's more now after this airs. <laughs> but I don't mind. Like that's the point is I don't want to have to look at a restaurant bill. Pretty soon all the bills like yeah, exactly. I probably have a. I have no idea. But that's for me like you know or somebody or my you know gardener or I just got a text like they're like oh your sprinkler at, at Hercules isn't working and they want to you know it's like nine hundred. I'm like fine. I don't want to have to review that invoice. Am I getting screwed a couple hundred dollars? Maybe. I don't. I don't care. That's the beauty of. Of having money. See, that's so what, if you can't, if yeah. you still are grinding, if you're still looking at this invoice and you're saying, hey, how much of this is, you know, labor? How much of this is materials? You know, is that sod really, you but know, see, $12 a square foot? I can get it for $10 screwed. a square foot. That's what's happened to me. And that's where I spent a lot of my time. I recently had a guy uh, to remove a little pipe and charge $600. And I said, no, because I know it's maybe a $75. Yeah, thing. I used like, to be, shouldn't I used be to be that. like that. Yeah. But then I thought to myself, so what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is that I'm getting screwed a couple hundred dollars, and which I can totally afford. And this guy is getting an extra couple hundred dollars so he can go to the movies, take his wife out to dinner. Fine. Then I'm getting screwed and this guy's having a slightly better life. Great. I mean, I don't, that's not a problem for me. And so if I, just, yeah. if I just reverse it, instead of me getting screwed, it's like me just being nice. And I get enjoyment out of that. He gets, I mean, I don't mind. 
I don't. I, I, if, if the waitress charged me for two steaks instead of one, and the I don't care. Like that to me. If you're wealthy and you're still worried about this type of shit, then then you're not getting advantage of your wealth. To me, I guess it's more of a principle thing because sometimes they'll show up yeah, to the house. Get away. And they, yeah. If you're still worried about principle, yeah. then you're not allowing your money to make you happy. Sure. You just got to get over the whole getting screwed. You got to get over the principle. So people are. He's so focused on principle. Like he, a waiter will you know not will screw up and he'll like. I'm like, bro, you don't need to complain. Maybe the, he's like, well, then the next person will get the right salad dressing. Like, who gives a shit? It's not your job to like have to fix everything. I just stopped doing that. And I'm so much happier now. At what dollar amount do you do you start paying attention? Like 10,000, 20,000? Uh, I'm probably not a good uh, answer because I don't care, really. Like, okay. For me, I go to an extreme and just, you know, not stressing about anything. Like that to me is the beauty of money is not stressing. Sure. So sure. I don't stress about anything. When did that start? At what point? I've been that way even when I didn't have money. Oh, really? Yeah, which is a dangerous, you know, luckily <laughs> See, I have money now. That sounds like true yeah. wealth. You know what I mean? Like if, if we're maybe being a little bit more flexible with the definition of the word wealth. But just, our clients have way more money than, than like us. Like when we go to dinner, I buy, I haven't not bought a dinner in years. You know, whether we went to dinner last night with nine people, I bought dinner. I will never not buy dinner because I can. I mean, I don't, if you have some wealth, then why would you not buy dinner for everyone? Like, I think the wealthiest person should just buy everything, you know, because it, it affects them the least. And yet, you know, I have wealthy clients that just don't do that. And I'm like, what, what's, I, I don't get the point then. It's not a wealth thing because that's it, a mentality thing that he takes to the extreme. But our clients are all, most of our, a lot of our clients are wealthier than us. Some of them far, far, far wealthier. That's more of a mentality thing. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. so I don't necessarily, well, I guess yeah. I agree with it if, like, he also has a lot of confidence that he's always going to be creating wealth and he doesn't have much responsibility beneath him. So, you know, this isn't exactly like the perfect mentality for everyone. Well, like an example, yeah. my mom is building like a, a she shed in her backyard and she's was, I was, I called her she's, and she's like stressed out over this invoice. She's like, well, Jason, should I care this? The gardener charged me $50 for knee pads, you know, but, but he's going to take those with him, you know, after the job. So I shouldn't have to pay for those. I'm like, oh my God, mom, like you have money. Why would you let... The, I mean, so so you bought your gardener knee pads. Who gives a shit? Like to me, it's like why would you ever spend fifteen seconds of your life worrying about something like that? Who cares? Our mom is more like you. Yeah, <laughs> not to, to say yeah, extreme, it's so frustrating sure. for me though. I'm it, like, but it yeah. seems like point? like we was, did, we leased her a Mercedes, and yeah. she is like been over the moon for the last seven years of driving it. I'm like, you could afford a Mercedes. You know you can afford yeah. a Mercedes, right? Yeah, but it's doing the things like that that she wouldn't do for herself. I'd be the well, same way. Well, that's my point, I, though. Like, she will review. Yeah, we would do it for herself. An yeah. invoice, and she'll, you know, and she'll see a $50 charge for knee pads that, you know, the gardener's going to take with him. And that will cause her anxiety and stress, and she's feeling like it's unfair. Yeah. Like... I don't know. I'm just. So it seems like your life is completely designed around minimizing stress. Yes. It and is. anything you could do to pay for that inconvenient. Yes. <laughs> you just pay yeah. it. It doesn't matter. You exactly just don't want to right. be stressed. That's, for me, that's the beauty of having but a He, think, he has yeah. a lot of stress. So, like, if you don't, you should, you might as well, and I'm not saying you don't, but yeah. you might as well then try to maybe save some money and focus on that. But right. if, you're, if you're just being bombarded with different inputs of stress all day long and you can, with through money that's coming in more, than you're spending, if you can minimize the stress down here by spending yeah. some of that money that's coming in, then that probably yeah. makes sense from like utilitarian perspective. It does you seem like yeah, yeah I have some burgers. It does seem like though you are stressed about a lot of like real estate deals, renovations, yes, managing I think multiple he, he offices, hit the nail on the head. show. Like, it's like uh, the stress that I that I enjoy. Like I enjoy work stress because yeah. I love work. I don't enjoy personal stress, so I avoid it or I pay my way through it. Uh, for real, bro. Well, I get half of it, man. <laughs> We get no, the blows I was all excited, and this is what. We're gonna get into, this what is, is what. That? You guys are still fighting? Why'd you only eat some half-eaten folded burger? <laughs> Why did you fold the burger? 
Dude. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I just, you wonder just why we fight all the time. <laughs> He's an idiot. That looks fucking good. You guys can share you want it? it. Bite after bite. Share it. How is it? Is it good? You're welcome. The fries it's are shit now. Cold. Really? Yeah. Yeah, cold fries are tough. Yeah. Okay. Cool. One thing that you were talking about, uh, there's a lot of media on you. So it's really easy. I'm guessing you're probably, like you said, somewhat, you're very similar. You mm-hmm. share a lot of philosophies, perspective, etc. Um, you were saying on some sort of an interview that perspective is the most important thing when you're considering and adjusting your happiness levels, right? Something akin to that. I'd say perspective is probably the most important thing to create happiness. And it's also the hardest thing to get. You can't buy perspective. You can buy almost everything. And and you also... Are you the one that does all the research and Graham just sits here and... Basically. Nods his head? Graham does a good amount of research, but okay. sometimes I go yeah. a little over. Jack like. has a good perspective because I know you guys. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to ask questions that I know answers to. Oh, yeah. Versus fair, Jack fair. It has a good balance because he has very little knowledge and experience. And, and you also very, you have very yeah. little knowledge. In I have a, <laughs> very little actually insane yeah. that I let yeah. that yeah. slide. Yeah. You said that <laughs> we're cutting that part out. <laughs> I, I said something earlier that yeah. was horrible. I said, "Graham, you'd have to beat that out of me." <laughs> in some other context, I was like, "That probably didn't." <laughs> Someone's gonna clip just that little part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're yeah. saying perspective will always change if you climb the socioeconomic hierarchy, something akin to that, and other hierarchies of life. Uh, how do you keep your perspective in check and make sure it still has a positive impact on yourself? I'm probably not great at keeping perspective. I mean, if I had perspective, I'd probably my level of happiness would probably be a ten all the time. But you get jaded, you know. You you're just like you know your your perspective changes, so things become normalized, and then you take them for granted. That's that's just human nature. I try to what Diet Coke. I try to keep perspective, like I'll you know I'll talk to my therapist. I'll just reflect on all the good things that are going on in my life. Gratitude will do it. Yeah, it makes you because you lose appreciation. Like naturally, human nature is to just start taking things for granted. Um, friendships, you know, relationships, uh, wealth, automobile, house. Like you just start health. I mean, everyone, almost everyone, takes their health for granted, right? Until they're mm-hmm. not healthy. So it's hard to just sit back and, and reflect in the morning. Wow, I'm healthy. I'm gonna have a great healthy day today. I can go to the gym. Mm-hmm. I can go running. Um, you just don't. You just live your life and you just, you're, you're healthy and you take it for granted. You take your friendships for granted. I take Brett for granted. I take wealth for granted. I take my success for granted. I take the Netflix show for granted. Everyone generally starts the, taking The more you understand that, the more you, I think you can understand the concept of happiness because, and I'll give you a quick example. When, when we, we got a house in the hills, our dad like bought it. We were able to move there when we were in law school. And I remember, it was like my dream house. It was ridiculous. I was living in a one bedroom apartment. And I remember getting up to this house and I was staying on the balcony with the views and I was like, oh, Mm-hmm. And then I looked up and it was like a bigger house. It's a true mm-hmm. story. It was like a bigger house, like three blocks up. I was like, holy shit, that's the house. It lasted like 30 <laughs> seconds, you know? And so if you realize that, if you're, because people are always thinking, if this, then this, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be, no, you'll have a, then you'll just want more. And you'll have a new perspective. That's not the way happiness works, which means you might as well look at what you have now and be happy. Mm-hmm. Because I can promise you it doesn't scale the way you think you it does. You what, know what, how there's actually a particular moment uh, of our lives where I think this perspective hit me. Brett and I were traveling, we were in Egypt. Um, We were behind the pyramids, like a mile behind the pyramids, it was just like sand. And there were like, you know, 12 or 15 kids, um, barefoot, running around like the 110 degree sand, playing soccer with like little makeshift goals and a soccer ball that had like more duct tape, you know, than anything, it was basically a duct Mm -hmm. tape ball. And they were laughing and having so much fun and we jumped in the game, we played for like an hour and a half uh, with these kids. It was so much fun and I just saw, they're smiling 
so much and they're laughing so much and it just and I'm like these kids are like happier than I am they're you know probably living you know on a dollar a day playing with a, a duct tape soccer ball on 150 degree heat you know with, with no shoes on and they're as happy as can be and that's perspective I mean that that moment in our lives I have a photo of it with mm-hmm. us well these kids um, that just I think taught me that perspective is everything. That's what creates happiness is perspective. You know, there's American kids playing on a perfect field, the perfect ball, and like they're structured, their uniforms, and they're mad at their mom because they're they didn't get the cool cleats that they wanted. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. everything is is perspective in life. But human nature is to lose perspective. So knowing that, you're not going to fight it because human nature is all. You're never going to wake up every morning and be like, oh my god, I'm grateful for this and this. And, you know, I mean, you can try it but it's not going to happen. So if you realize that, then what you are really realizing is all these goals of like wealth and happiness and, and if I get this and this, and it, it doesn't work out that way. Life never works out that way. So if that's the case, embrace it and just realize, okay, I might as well be happy with what I have now because I'm realizing that if I have a bigger house, that's not going to necessarily increase my happiness. I'm just going to want then a bigger house. So chill out and just be happy with what you have and want more. That's human nature. But don't think that it's necessarily... Don't always have that mentality I think you talked about late earlier where it's like, I'm going to be super happy when I when I achieve this. It never works out that way. I yeah. think those perspective checks are incredibly important. I had one because I was thinking about it since you said it in an interview and it was kind of like in my subconscious, just kind of like marinating there. And then last night I went to this party and they gave you these wristbands and the wristbands have this adhesive where you wrap it around and stick it to the other side. And when the lady put it on my hand, it just went all over my arm hair. Maybe 5% of the he's actually went on the tape. You guys know that. You, you know what I'm talking yeah. about, We had right? wristbands put on like, last night. The same. Yeah, it's yeah. like she tried. I always, I always bend it over. Right? You have more arm hair. You have more arm hair. I mean, it's like she tried to cause me as much pain yeah. as possible. And I, she did it, and I looked at it, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and I'm looking around, I'm like, well, this is a pretty cool party, and they have an open bar, and there's a bunch of people here I'm excited to talk to. And then I forgot about the wristband, but I let myself sit with it for like 15 seconds of like, this is so stupid. Why would she do this? How is she so bad at her job? And then I go and I have an amazing night. Up the next morning, and I feel a tugging on my wrist, and I look, and there's just like all of my arm hair is just wrapped up in this thing, and then I just go and I rip it out, get a bunch of arm hair with it, and I'm like, that is so silly that I even cared about that at all, especially when I was ripping it off of my, you know, my yeah, arm hair. It's like it, there are so many real, actual problems that people face on a daily basis, and you said in this interview, you're like, I don't have real problems and i have never thought about it like that like i don't have a serious health problem i can afford a roof over my head i can afford to feed myself my family my immediate family everyone's healthy everyone's fine i don't have real problems and to admit that to yourself and to admit that to all of the people watching here is a very gutsy thing to do because when you have problems people they res- honestly kind of like respect you. They see you as more when you have problems. It's like related. Especially but- now in society, I think yeah. it's one of the biggest things is you're defined yeah. by your problems. How right. much of a victim you are on the scale is like how good of a person you are. And obviously so much, I, I mean, obviously I'm very fortunate to say I don't have real problems in the same way that you guys say that you do not have real problems. But it's just such a dose of reality of like, okay, I ripped out my arm hair. Who cares? Who cares? It really doesn't mean much. Yeah. Yeah. How do you keep perspective like that? Oh, it's super hard. I mean, you have to, you have to consciously remind yourself of the good things in your life to be appreciative. I mean, it's it's actually work. You got to work at it. Otherwise, you just take everything for granted, and then you just realize you're not as happy. What problems would you say you have today? I know you say they're not real problems, but if you really think like today, like what problems are you are you experiencing? Even though they might not be real problems. Pretty bad hangover. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a real issue right there. Yeah. Um, The other half of that hamburger. (laughs) 
Yeah, God. <laughs> cold I, hamburger and a hangover. It's bad French to, fries. Really, I was gonna say it is. I I don't think I have any real problems. You know? I would imagine. Like I would imagine maybe so it's right like now. the real estate market slowing down. The performance of you know it is the show. Maybe opening up new offices. You know, I just I used to let things get to me, um, and I just don't anymore. Like I'm oddly really good at just not getting frustrated these days. Um, it's a skill set that I've, I think I've just you know, done really well. I think almost by necessity, I have so mm -hmm. many problems, you know, that could be stressful. And I just, I just, now I'm choosing not to let them stress me out. Have you guys ever had a health problem? Or uh, a, a serious close family, one? A close family member with a health problem? Yeah. Not, nothing severe, no. Okay. And if you ever, I, I don't, when I got back from traveling, I had like a year, I don't know, people have much bigger health problems than that. But if you have any type of health threat that gives you the perspective of, of potentially losing your health, it, gives, it puts your whole life in perspective for the rest of your life. That's, to me, the only real problem people can have is health. Money is like, unless if it's affecting your health, if you literally can't feed yourself. Mm -hmm. But I think if you don't have a health problem and there's no one very close to you that has a health problem, you pretty much don't have problems. I love this quote. I think about it all the time. Well, I should think about it more honestly, but it's you have a hundred problems until you have a health problem, then you have one problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's yeah. very true. I, one thing that I, I think we already hit on this, but I think it's still worth noting. I feel like whether it's in universities or I'm not sure where it started, but I, I, this victim mentality now, I think makes people unhappy, you know, because I think we're teaching people Rather than go solve a problem, it's just to victimize, you know, to feel like they're you're a victim. Well, that's what I've noticed. They have no control. Like, like, it doesn't life. mean that you're not a victim. There are, there are millions of victims and, and bad shit happens all the time. And it doesn't mean you can't talk about it. It doesn't mean that you can't complain. But then shut up and go fix it. You know what I mean? Like, don't just sit. I think a lot it. of people like the... Uh, Attention. The attention that they get mm -hmm. from it yeah. or the support that they get from it. Mm -hmm. Someone also, goes yeah. online and says, I'm a victim. Here's what happened to me. Here's yeah. how bad the situation it, is. To get thousands of comments or tens of thousands of views saying, oh, you know, we, we stand by you. No, it's a whole good. Like, victimization support structure yeah. out there right now. And to um, fix which, your by the problems way, doesn't mean that there, requires effort you don't as well. deny the problem. I mean, by no means are there not significant problems out there. Right. People are victims of those circumstances. But I just wish we had a more mentality of like, okay, now pick yourself up. I agree. Go fix I think personal responsibility needs to be taken to a severe degree. Yes. A severe too, degree. Can I, can I give another um, yeah. ramble of a, Let's of a, my, my, of a rats study? this time? I love, mice? I love studying. Mice? <laughs> How many mice died in this study? <laughs> this is a... Uh, right? Dude, I'm like insecure about this burger being all over my mouth. So hold on. No, I don't see anything. No. Uh, you're pretty good. You got a little something right there. I always get so much shit in my teeth. That's not so bad. Every time I had a meal with her, she yeah. would point out shit that was stuck in my teeth. And I'm like... Is she getting stuck in my teeth more now that I'm with you? Or was it always that way and you're just the only person that ever pointed it out? <laughs> now I'm like traumatized. Um, this is actually a really good study. Okay. So, and just to be clear, this is not to say that there are millions of victims and the society doesn't have a lot of issues. But this is an important study to understand as far as like success in life. So there was, and it's a famous study. It's been replicated. It's, it's not, you know, my opinion again. So there was like 15 people they got facial scars put on their face um, mm. with makeup. Have you heard of this one? Yeah. Okay. It's incredible. Yeah, if you're, okay. yeah. It's really important for people to understand. So, th so they have these facial scars that makeup artists put on their face. And they say, okay, you're going to go into an interview. And we're going to you know, see how the interview goes. And I'm going to ask you if your facial scars played a role in your interview. And the interviewers have no idea what, you know, what's going on. And so these 15 people go into a room right before the interview. After they look at the mirror and they see their scars, they go into another room and the makeup artist just says, oh, I'm just going to touch up these scars real quick right before you walk into the interview space. 
And without these people knowing, because there's no mirrors in that room, the makeup artist is actually taking the scars off. So they go into the interview with no scars, but they think they have massive facial scars. And they get interviewed, and then they're, they come out of the interviews for, for, for the job interviews, and they're asked by the people that are running this study, did your scars play a role at all in this interview process? And I think there was 15 of the people, and like 10 or 11 of the people said, he couldn't stop or she couldn't stop looking at my scars, made explicit comments. I knew I wasn't going to get the job right when I walked in. Like comments like that, you know, just like defeatist comments. 11 or 12 of the 15 said things of that nature. I mean, some of them went as far as to say he made explicit comments about my, my scars. Just, you know, just anyway. Then the interviewer said, look, none of you had scars when you were in those interviews. And it was such an illuminating defeatist victimization um, you know, conclusion that these people had been coming to. And it just shows so much about human mentality. If you go into a situation thinking that you're a victim, you're going to be a victim. And it doesn't mean that some people don't have facial scars, because I, mean, I mean, metaphorically. Yeah, some people sure. are in a position where they're going to walk into an interview and have a problem. But, they, you know, then they have to either probably work harder than other people. And there's a lot of people that go into that interview thinking they have these issues that really don't. And if you go in with a defeatist mentality, you're not going to get that job no matter what. So I would just advise people to go into that room thinking that you don't have facial scars, even if you do. And, 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 and I'm not to say that the world is fair. Some people mm -hmm. have, you know, have hurdles they have to clear that, that others don't. And that, that's, I'm not opining on the absence of that in society. Sure. Clearly there is. If you want to succeed in life, you know, that study shows a lot. Understand that the implications of that study if you want to succeed in life. Yeah, it's a difference between overcoming versus complaining. And right now we are rewarding complaining and we should be rewarding, you know, Where do you think that changed? Because uh, I don't remember 15 years ago rewarding complaining. Me neither. Yeah, I feel like it's something that's happened. 10 years in the last ago it decade. started. In the sure. last few years it's, it's, it's gotten a lot worse. Who do you think is supporting this message? Well, it's like, it's it has to be institutions I mean, or something, I think, right? Like it, there, there's got to be a deeper thing going on than just like there's got to be something missing that's doing that, that, that has opened up opportunities right there's got to be some sort there's of some efficiency i feel like there has to be I, a think, business i think it's good intentions this, i think know? it's good yeah. intentions that started it i think yeah. it's good intentions of bringing awareness to to people who do have problems in society which is a good intention to have i just think it's gotten to a point now where it's where it's making life worse for a lot of people instead of better you know which is really unfortunate because i think the intentions were good because there's a yeah. difference between exposing uh problems and and then complaining about them i mean i think exposing problems and addressing problems is good but i think that we need to instead of just valuing you know victimization and like supporting victimization we and, have and, to... and beyond that, de literally defining people by their level of victimhood. You know, it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like in reverse of what you might want to be doing. It is kind of odd. Know? It's like a medal yeah. that you kind of like proudly wear a yeah. lot of the time. But, but then it, gives, it could easily give that person a, a feeling of this is who I am. I am a victim and I'm going to see everything through that victim lens. I'm going to go into every... It, uh, every conversation that I have with another human being mm -hmm. thinking that I have a scar on my face. And it's, that's not a good way to go through life, even if you do have a scar on your face. And I'm using that obviously metaphorically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it can't be a good, it can't be good for happiness. No. Feeling like you're a victim, you know. It's the control thing. Don't, and that, yeah, exactly. You don't, you can't run over and hit that lever, you know, mm -hmm. and you're making excuses. But when you actually can run over and you can hit that lever, that's what makes you happy. So I think there's, it's got to be creating a, a you know, dissatisfaction among people to feel like they're victims. And that, again, yeah. that's not to say there aren't victims, you know, but it's just to say like, you got to separate like mm -hmm. being aware of the systemic issues in society 
and doing your absolute best to to ameliorate those. And then there is the defining people by their level of victimhood and giving them, giving people like a, a mentality of like an almost an inability to overcome because they're consumed with that victimhood. Those are two different things. And I think we started in a good place and ended up over here. Well, Sorry. using it as an excuse. Like there's a, you can raise awareness and you can address an issue, but you can, and then you can also use it as an excuse. That's where I think where is the problem is that people are using their victim as, as an excuse rather than just getting up and going and solving it. If you had a child yeah. with a disability, you know, um, you could either parent them by saying, look, you're going to, you're constantly saying you're going to have these struggles. You're going to have, you're not going to get hired. It's going to be 10 times harder for you. I, I, I feel so bad for you. Like this is, this is, this is a really horrible situation that you're in. That's one way to raise that kid. And, and you can, track that kid's progress through life. And another way to raise that kid is you're going to have to work four times as hard because you have this disability. And I'm going to give you the confidence and I'm going to tell you that you can overcome anything you want. And you raise the kid that way. You want to track those two people through life and see who comes out with a with a. You know, didn't they do that? Life. They did the study like that with orphans, didn't they? With the, the stuttering. Probably. Did you see this? Are we talking about studies now? Thank you. Yeah, we are. Uh, so they did this with orphans. They, they found two groups of orphans. I think this was in the 40s or 50s. One had uh, severe stuttering. And the others were perfect speakers. And they put half of the perfect speakers in with the stuttering group and half of the stuttering people in with the perfect speakers. And so one group was told, you speak fine, you speak great. The other was like, you have a severe problem. And they found that the ones who spoke normally but were put into the stuttering group started developing stutters. And they could not speak as well versus the stutterers were put in the normal group. The exact same treatment as uh, all the other normal kids. And they started speaking better. So it was really the environment that they mm -hmm. that molded their personality and their stuttering to that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's if there's one thing I can point to as to I think how we became successful is that it was instilled in us by our parents when we were young that we could achieve anything we wanted to do, and they didn't just say that; like they actually convinced us that we could do whatever we wanted, that we would be great at whatever we wanted. So I think it's the opposite of, of victim mentality. Like they just said, no matter what you are capable of doing whatever you want. You're going to be great at it if you work hard enough. Was that how they were raised too? Because um, it seems like both of them were successful in their own ways. I rights. don't necessarily think so. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. they got the and, same. And you're right. I, I, maybe I was minimizing a little bit of that when I was saying that it was it's in my bones, which it is yeah. in my bones. But I do think there's a, definitely a, a nurture perspective. And our parents did raise us that way. And I think that's how you have to raise your kids no matter what, you know, Level levels of obstacles they have, they're going to have to overcome because of one thing or another. You have mm -hmm. to raise your kids with that mentality because that's what breeds success and happiness. Speaking of kids, would you guys want any kids? Nice transition. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Not. Uh, I'd say if I had to guess in my life, I'd say maybe it's fifty-fifty, but it's not going to be anytime soon. Seventy-thirty against. Really? I'm also forty-six yeah. years old right now. Don't even have a yeah, girlfriend, so I'm a little behind the curve on that. <laughs> Yeah, but I could have a, I could have a kid at fifty five. Right. Care. Yeah, but then you're gonna be like a seventy five year old. I don't. Bro, dad I'm seventy five. Like high school graduation. I'm running around like a fifty year old when I'm seventy five. Okay, so you have nine more years max. I could have. A, well, I I know someone who had a kid at seventy two. I'm not saying it physically. Isn't there like like dicey stuff, biological stuff that can happen to the kid if you have a kid at like seventy? I don't think for the, for yes. the not male for the man. No, no, that's yeah. not true. Your your sperm, you have a higher um, likelihood of autism and a lot of other things. If you're well, whatever, in, I would do it in, in vitro. Then, then over it would 45. be in vitro. So sure. it doesn't matter. I'd have you frozen any tested. sperm? Yeah, I you also have. froze sperm like ten years I ago. I did too. Yeah, yeah just because I did actually hear that that. Um, an older man can have like a less healthy sperm. Do they know? But it's not that... as big of an issue for women are born with all their eggs, so they mm -hmm. actually age, whereas right. men produce semen every day. But that's 
do you do they know the long-term side effects of like a frozen sperm kid? I don't think there's I don't any. think there are any. Yeah. There are none? Yeah. yeah. But how, how long has this existed? Because well, wouldn't the kid need to like go through eggs. an entire life? Frozen eggs, I, don't know. I think, right. can get damaged over time. Okay. Yeah, frozen I, sperm. Didn't they 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 froze the uh fertilized embryo? I think it was like 30 yes, years. Embryo That's the and they had yeah, and they had a perfectly good uh you know child, perfectly healthy, normal. But the child would technically like, you know, 30 years old by the time they were actually born. Right. They celebrated his 31st birthday. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin That's a whole other debate we could go. I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> Is also, that child 31 or 1? He's definitely 31. Starts <laughs> drinking at 10. He's like, technically, I'm 40 years old. Actually, actually he's getting, he's getting social work. security. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's interesting because a lot of people tell me who are really successful, they say, oh, if, if, if I could have had kids earlier, I, I wish I had done that versus waiting later. You know, I, there's a lot of different reasons why people have kids. I have a ton of purpose in my life, so I don't need a child to create purpose in my life. In fact, I also am very happy and very fulfilled. A lot of people also have this why mentality of like creating legacy, which we just don't have at yeah, all. It's that's like, true. I mean, what, so you're going to be in a, I, I don't know. It's like every, every family dies off. Everyone, every name gets, you know, taken out of the history books. Like who, who cares? I don't, I don't have, I don't, I'm missing yeah, that whole. We don't have like a need for know, our name to live on you know like i just a lot of people i'm have dead i'm so in a box yeah. i don't care when i say don't like everyone's like well, what about your last name what about your business what about like everything dies everything de decomposes over time like in life every everything do you think that's depressing to think about though, i don't that everything is just going to disappear i think it's beautiful one day? really i'm actually happy that makes me that. sad yeah, to little, think that I like a hundred years from now like just people won't remember you I don't know. It makes, it makes it seem like everything you do is very insignificant. It is. Yeah, but like, isn't that a cool feeling? I think that's a cool feeling. Do you? When I look up at the stars, it gives me that, that feeling perspective of like, literally, this planet doesn't even matter, let alone my life. It, it actually it makes, makes me happy. It makes you take things less oh, seriously. Yeah. Like, you know, the, oh my gosh, there's a, my, there's a clip that came out today from our show of like, uh, Chriselle and my girlfriend at the time, like having lunch. And, and they were kind of, you know, they were not getting along. And it was stressful for me. But then I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to look back on this in a year and it's not going to be, I'll laugh at it. And you know what? It's been a few months and I'm already not stressed about it. Uh, you ever nothing, everything is insignificant. Yeah. I was so stressed out at the time. And I'm like, you know what? I guarantee you in six months, this will not be important to me. It never is. Nothing is important to me six months down the road. Nothing that I, that I think at the time is, is worth being stressed about. Yeah. It was looking back ever worth stressing about. So now I just don't stress. I would advise anybody who's stressed about anything just to look up at the, at the stars, depending on where you live. It's tough mm -hmm. in LA. I mean, that just, it sounds cheesy, but it's like, for me, when I look up at that, it just gives you the, the unbelievable understanding of the insignificance of not only your life, not only the human race, but planet Earth, this galaxy, to the universe. We are as meaningless as you could possibly imagine. Like, no offense to anyone in this room. I don't care if you're mm -hmm. like, the president, your life is pathetically meaningless to the universe. And to me, that's actually like calming, you know? This seems like a newer development, especially for you, Jason, because I feel like five years ago, yeah. you were very careful to curate the you know the the image that you wanted out there and be very careful with it and so uh maybe a clip like that would have just like you would be making phone oh, calls I was stressed out you'd be like who filmed this how did this get out there yeah. what are the people saying delete those comments like what yeah. what changed remember the first year um, of producing yeah. oh my god you yeah i talk about that i would say if i had to attribute it to one thing i'd probably see uh, i'd say therapy i started seeing Xanax. a therapist like uh, <laughs> four or five four years ago maybe and I would say within a year or two, I, I 
have a list in my phone of like the things that I need to work on. Um, but some of the things on that list just really made me st stop stressing like uh, and internalizing things. I mean, I think a lot of anxiety is internalization of other people's actions. Yeah. Uh, and that w it was such a cliche thing that she told me, like, you know, other people's actions are a reflection of them and not me. And, you know, don't sweat the small stuff and everything mm -hmm. is small, like all these really cliche things that you might even find in a book. But they hit me pretty hard. Um, and I started thinking about those things every day. Like when I would have a coffee, I'd read my list. And within a couple of years and continuing to see her, I really just stopped worrying about stuff. Like it, I am probably at my happiest right now because I have the least amount of stress. I have probably <coughs> more problems in my life right now yeah. than I did five years ago. And I am five times less stressed. So out. you have a list of things just to internalize every day? Yeah. Can you I mean, share some of those not, things that like, um, th yeah, maybe share the things that other people could learn from? Because I'm curious what those are. Yeah, I mean, I should. I remember yeah, you should get in contact with, yeah. the, with the therapist. I would be. I'd be more than happy to. But I remember it, the part for me that the reason I brought that up was because I posted a listing on my Instagram. This is when the YouTube channel was just taking off, and I posted a new listing on there. I think it was the Mar Vista listing, and someone commented something like, "This is a motherfucking cool listing," or something like that. And you had seen that comment. Yeah. And you said, "Graham, why do you have vulgar, unsophisticated people commenting on your Instagram?" Could you, Delete that comment. We don't want the you know the seller. Remember to see when this you guy. started your uh, when you started YouTube up yeah. in, the, in the upstairs in the office yeah. and you were cussing. I'm like, yeah. I will not have cussing if you're sitting in this office, you know, on YouTube. Yeah, but I, that worked because then YouTube started demonetizing uh, vulgar videos. Oh, well, profanity. They started but yeah, I, so I, I cared actually, a lot. Yeah, I know. I cared the, the a lot first year it. we were producing Selling Sunset, yeah. we would argue with the producers like nuts. Oh, I if mean, they released we went, the B-roll. Yeah, we of went at it. Stress cases. We were yelling at everyone. We were like so upset. About we everything. Stressing about yeah. everything. And because we didn't, you know, and then now we're just like, just do what you want, you know, whatever. You know, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. the idea that I would, seven, they like, wanted whatever. me to like go on a date in like season one. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I would never go on a date. <laughs> I would never put my relationship on camera. And now, like, you know, you, every people, I, my whole relationship and yeah. the breakup is all on camera. Like, does I that, just don't care anymore. Does that bother you, though, to either read the comments about it or people speculating am, about it? I am so thick-skinned. I haven't, I don't even Literally read don't comments, read honestly. And if I did read bad comments, I would just laugh them off. I'm just <laughs> oddly thick-skinned, and I think it's great for this, for what yeah. we do. Because you kind of, if you don't have thick skin, you're going to have a if problem. If you think about the type of person that's, like, sitting in their room commenting on someone, some character in a reality show, I mean... <laughs> It's not to say that everybody that does that is like yeah. a loser, but I mean, it's, but if you're taking the time and, and to go on my Instagram and, and talk negative, to you about my height or my, or I mean, what I say, or, that doesn't say more about that person than it does about you. Yeah, I don't know that's what that's on my list. Like other people's actions <laughs> are a reflection of them. Let's not hear me. this list. Uh, well, that's probably my favorite one. Oh honestly. my gosh! Um, don't be too hard on yourself. I'm. I can be very hard on myself. I'm less hard on myself now. Okay. Like I don't judge myself as harshly uh, as I used to, and that makes me more. That's happy. good. Don't take things personally. Um, Let's see. Don't let Brett get under your skin. Be less judgmental and validate him. Is that is that on there? Did you reflect, ask him to reflect that on must how have, great that must have been added really recently? <laughs> yeah. This morning. Um, yeah. Reflect on how great life is. That's like part of the uh, um, perspective. Perspective. Uh, reinf positive reinforcement at the office. Don't criticize mistakes. Make them teachable moments. I try to be a better boss. I've been working on that. And honestly, I have be a positive personality. And then I have in parentheses Nico and Zelda. My dogs are like mm -hmm. the happiest people on the planet they're amazing and i, I like to like just sure watch them people, yeah but, but zelda is like i'm like why can't i be as happy as zelda yeah. i mean she has she's so happy all she does is run around on a floor all day long yeah you know eat twice a day and she's the happiest creature on the planet so the, i mean yeah. how come i not, i can't be happy but the the best well be, be less serious um and 
other people's actions are a reflection of them, not me. That so, that one, yeah. honestly, I would get Va- so validate Graham. Yeah, yeah, I would get so reactive <laughs> to people. You know, yeah. like they and I, and it's people all have their reasons for whatever you know they're going through and you know their their actions. And not everyone's a good person, or not everyone's at a good moment in their life. Um, and I would internalize that stuff, you know, like, and now I just, I realize that's not about me. Like mm-hmm. that's about you. You're making a comment, uh, a nasty comment on my Instagram. That is a reflection of you. You're probably not in a happy space. It is, I don't internalize that. No, anymore. no happy person, no confident, happy person makes consistent negative comments about other people. That is a fact. There is no confident, happy person making negative comments on Instagram about other people. Yeah. Just, that's a fact. Does but. it ever translate uh, to in person? Like, do no. negative people no ever one's come negative up to you? Person. Yeah. It's 100% no, zero. Positive. The same people yeah. that would that would <laughs> rip you a new one on Instagram, like just take a picture with you if they see you on, on the street, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I try that's, to tell, yeah. I try to tell um, the women that on the, you know, because they, you know, some people internalize stuff more than others. Um, that you know, it's really a reflection of them. They're not in a good space, or they're jealous. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that out there. And rather than them, you know, sitting with those emotions, they'll, they'll lash out and try to take other people down. I mean, there's a, I'd say if there's two huge problems uh, in society that I would point out. One is the victim mentality that I think that we are almost rewarding at this point. Um, and the other one is just a lot of unhappy, insecure people trying to tear other people down. Like people love tearing people down. It's it's like a sickness. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. Because it, you, it yeah. props yourself up when you're putting other people oh, yeah. down. You know, it's it, like you, I'm not you that are person. morally mm-hmm. patting yourself on the mm-hmm. back when you say this person, did this, they're one of those isms of, or they're an ist. You know what exactly I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's but that comes from an, yeah. an insecurity. Yeah. So it, listen, at the end of the day, insecurity and a lack of confidence probably causes 90% of the problems on this planet. If people were more secure uh, and more confident, we would it not have relationship problems. any of the problems we Geo, have in this How do you bolster confidence and security? Or... It's tough. I, mean, I it's think tough. it's the little things we were talking about. Clean your room and go to the gym. Yeah. And a therapist. I think that if it were up to me, everyone on the planet would see a therapist. Do you, do you have the same they... therapist? Well, you don't really I don't need therapy. I'm pretty perfect. You're, you're good. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I, no, I'm, I'm pro therapy. I go like every few months okay. now. Like I'm, you know. Uh, you do it in person? I don't need it as much. I used to, but after COVID, just over Zoom. And do you go with specific things you want to work on or is no, it that you it's go just like just go, it's just like going to the gym really? it really is just like going to the gym and just hit, hitting every muscle you know that's that's how I, actually yeah. that's how I, why i make myself go because i'm like this is the gym for my mind it's so interesting because i've seen a huge shift in talking to you today about this than i have like five years ago six years ago like yeah. you seem like a different person i'm i'm happier i'm more relaxed for sure i'm less i used to be so reactive yeah. well one i used to like take things personally and i would oh, i would always had a, I had this fairness bone in me. So I always felt like, okay, maybe someone's trying to take advantage of me. And that would just get me so upset. And now I just don't care anymore. And I'm just so much happier. I'm probably getting taken advantage of just as much. I just don't mm-hmm. care anymore. That's really interesting. Yeah. Whenever he would describe, because I've yeah. met you once or twice briefly, whenever he would describe you to me and you as well, like it would, well, you were a little bit different the way he would describe you. Mm-hmm. Good. Mind <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, but you, it was always a very serious undertone kind of stoic and and uh yeah like like, this is very different everything mattered five years ago to me everything mattered you know now granted i was really driven i was building my business but and i'm a very very detail-oriented person um so everything mattered to me you know are Uh, we cool with me using the bathroom for yeah yeah, of of course of course and i've just let things become not as important to me yeah and 
I realized like they're, they're, they're the things I thought were important just aren't. And then you said on an interview that if you do anything, you should do it to the best of your ability. You used to, yeah. I mean, you said you wanted to be a mechanic. I'm sure you worked on your, what was it, Camaro or something like yeah. that all the time. And you'd take three hours to wash your cars. When do you pick your battles of when to do it perfectly versus when not to do it perfectly? Are you still this way or is this new uh, Yeah, I think almost, I think I, on everything you do, I think you should have pride in it. Uh, I mean, now that we're pointing at all of society's ills, mm -hmm. I'd say a lack of pride is, is something that I think uh, people I think are very prideful. Don't you think so? Uh, not in Maybe a, not, not in an honest sense, not in an, like, I think they're prideful in, in terms of like don't injure their pride mm -hmm. you know but i don't know if they're prideful in their acts like what they like i like everything i do to be i feel like that's a reflection of me so if i'm gonna if i'm gonna wash someone's car and i'm gonna give them that car that car is gonna be perfect i just want to have pride in what i do no matter how meaningless it is so in honestly like in everything in my life i just do it great you know i don't half-ass anything Graham described the difference in not work ethic, but I would say just general productivity between you two oh, yeah. is that you will grind throughout the entire year. He says you will love to like work hard for like a month or two. Yeah. And if it goes well, then you can take the rest of the year off. That's a bit extreme. But yeah. yeah. And then but, uh, the general, but, but yeah. general Generally, philosophy yeah. is. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then I asked Graham, I was like, well, who do you think is happier or more fulfilled? And Graham, yeah. guess what he said? Me. I said Brett. Oh, really? Yeah. Brett seems more relaxed, more carefree. I mean, obviously, I think there's been a substantial shift, but I would say based on the last 10 years, oh, you yeah. seem to be more like work um, focused on that. Brett is very like, you know, I don't want to say whimsical, but very carefree. But I get a ton of come in purpose and, from yeah. work. So for me, that makes me really happy. Yeah. Um, I probably yeah. have. It depends on your personality. Yeah. yeah. I need purpose in my life. So yeah. I think. You know what it was? Jack asked me, whose lifestyle would you want? Brett's or Jason's? And I said Brett's. Oh, yeah. That's an easy one. It, Brett, <laughs> Brett is I just. I don't know, though, because I love. Well, depending Carol on your personality. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. I think it's a personality. I would go thing, crazy. Yeah. If yeah. Like when we're chilling on the, in Mykonos for like two weeks, yeah. I'm just like having the time. He's like, I got to get back. You know what I mean? So it depends on your personality. It really does. I enjoy my life more, and his life would drive me nuts. Mm -hmm. But you know, it could be vice versa. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's individualistic. I mean, I just I need a lot of I get a lot of satisfaction from purpose and from drive and from work, um, and success. I mean, I just really enjoy that. He doesn't need that so much. You know, yeah. I don't know exactly why I need that, um, but it makes me happy. But it's interesting. You guys have had such a similar upbringing, but the values when it comes to that and what drives you are different. To some extent, true. I mean, I think there's way more similarities yeah. and differences, but there are certainly some differences. I don't know. Everything is a nature versus nurture. I don't really know the answer to mm -hmm. that one, but I would imagine, I don't even know, 50-50. I don't, I don't know how we ended up there, but I just, I just appreciate certain things more than he does, and he appreciates certain things more than, than I do. But I think overall, we have a, a lot of similarities. Where do you guys think your faults are? Because, like, your own personal faults. Are you insecure about anything? Or are you very secure and confident? Very secure and confident, but I think, I guess everybody has some, well, definitely faults. I would imagine some insecurities. I don't know if I have any insecurities, though, but I definitely have faults. There's got to be something you're insecure. You're insecure about having stuff in your teeth. There's got to be something. <laughs> but I don't think we have any deep-seated, like, debilitating structural, debilitating insecurity. insecurities. That's yeah. funny, though. Yeah. You've got me on that. <laughs> and it's always been that way? Or is no. it? No. I'd say that as we get older, you know, I'm more mature, more confident. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I think I was always a pretty confident guy, but I would say that it was not as much of an inner confidence when I was younger as it is today. 
you know, there's like a more of a bravado confidence when you're younger and more mm -hmm. of like a uh, relaxed confidence now. Like a truer confidence. Yeah. Um, but, you know, faults, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, everyone has that. What would you say is a fault that you're working on? Or something that you, like, that you could be improving? I don't like to work on my faults. <laughs> I just... Just I, ignore them. I accept, <laughs> yeah, I accept yeah. them. I just suppress them. Yeah. <laughs> and then push them down. I'm, aware, like I'm aware exist. of them and then I embrace yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was trying to get out of answering that with a joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's his way of saying he doesn't yeah. have any faults, but he doesn't really want to say that. Okay. I, I also want to talk about I'm dating, selfish, I think, dating publicly. It's selfishness, you think? I think I'm selfish, yeah. Really? Okay, because that, that seems very I, different than what you I, seem I mean, to do. I think is, I love my well, life so much, I don't like compromising. And yeah. it, it manifests as selfishness. Let's put it that way. I don't think I'm naturally actually selfish, but I think the manner in which I live my life can be loosely defined as partially selfish because I just yeah. do what I want to do when I want to do it. You know what was interesting? We had a podcast with Patrick Bet David who said that great leaders had to be selfish. And it's better to have a selfish leader because someone who's too compassionate is going to take too much feedback and they're not going to have results. I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't think my selfishness comes from my leadership uh, abilities. I just think it's okay. because I love my life so much. I don't like to compromise. And it makes me a little bit difficult to deal with sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's one of my w wonderful faults. I want to know in dating, okay? Because on Selling Sunset, I'm guessing like the viewer demographic is like women, 80 right? plus percent. 80 percent 80 women. Plus percent women. Oh, so there's a lot of boyfriends that get stuck watching. No, that. we have 80 percent of our Instagram that, followers true. are women, but 80, that's, that's not, probably not true. It's probably 55%. Because a lot of them no. watch with their, I have yeah. so many husbands and boyfriends coming out to me. Oh, my, I watch Maybe show with my girlfriend women. with my husband. I I would bet it's got to be 70, 30. 70% women. It, it might be. I, I think it's probably right. I would say yeah. 60, 40. We don't have the demo on that. Yeah, it's I don't think the not. guys are watching every episode like, you know, no. their girlfriends no. or wives might no. be. Yeah. They're like stuck watching it. Yeah. kind of, Passively like watching, watching or seeing it, it's on the yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> every guy that comes up says, "Oh my god, my girlfriend loves your show. Can I take a photo?" I'm like, every time. Oh, they sure. never like, "I love your yeah. show." I mean, some, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They just don't want to admit it. So, so let me put some chapstick. On. Yeah. How when you're going out, you're going out to a bar, you're going out to a club. Okay, you're having a good time. You maybe have a table or something like that. When you say you're good with women, can you maybe walk me through what exactly you mean by that? Like, does the do the woman come up to you? You go up to the women? Well, first of all, I'd say because of the show now, it's probably easier, you know, but we've always been pretty good with women. Okay. I think well good, good with show. women means um, a confidence to approach them and then the personality to like really engage them, make them laugh. And then kind of like, and then, I mean, there's a, it, it's a pretty broad, I'm like, sorry, like such an yeah. asshole, pretty broad skill set, but I think it's just part of but, like, and an indifference oh, of you know rejection, what? No, I think is, I, I gotta, feeling, I gotta so I say know. this. I remember. This is like pre all the Netflix stuff, but Jason was always just like a savant when it comes to like speaking with women. Like always, like every one that would come to the office, you just had this charm about you that they well, would I'm also in. super but, okay. yeah. But this is the part where I found it funny. Uh, someone would walk by the front of the office, and you would either turn to Eric or I, and like, "Hey, was she cute? I couldn't see it, and I'm a glasses on." And and Eric would usually have the better view. He said, "Yeah, she's cute." All right, I'll be right back. And you would <laughs> run out of the office. Remember this? And, you, and sometimes she's just all the way down the block. But you would just be running after her. <laughs> and you couldn't even Sunset tell. Oliver. But sometimes you would come back and they would be either with you or you'd be like, ah, she has a boyfriend or now she's married. Or sometimes you just have the number. And you would just like text her right there. At your, but you would just like run after people. I've never seen that before. <laughs> I, I 
think I did that at least a couple times, yeah. But the success ratio was high. Like, it w wasn't, um, like, a 10% chance. It seemed, like, very, like, Well, 60, I think we 40. have a lot of confidence with women, which I think goes a long way. I'm also extremely direct and honest with women, and I think that's oddly um, abnormal. Um, so I think they appreciate that, you know? And, and, and I, I think, think humor, we're, humor has a lot to do with it. Like, we're really engaging and funny with, with people, but with women in particular. And they, women love to laugh, and, and you know, so... Between, we don't take ourselves mm -hmm. too seriously. If you're confident yeah. and you're funny and you're, and you're honest, like, you're in. You know, and not also like we're good boyfriends. Like I've never, I'm not disrespectful to a woman in a relationship ever. Um, you know, don't ever cheat. Don't, you know, I'm just a thoughtful person. I mm -hmm. think. Okay. So yeah. let's say you're approaching this woman on Sunset Boulevard. You <clears throat> didn't, you couldn't tell if she was attractive or not, but someone said, yeah, she was attractive. Okay. Yeah. And you're like, okay, it was a little blurry for me. You run out, you chase after her. I can't come up with a pickup line right now. I'm too hungover to, to think about it. But we never use lines. Like, no, people that's, ask that's us the what crazy thing. Never yeah. once do I it's ever know what I'm going to say to okay, a girl. Okay, so, so it's okay. different. I've heard time. about this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I actually kind of like this philosophy that you can have as much game as you want, but it's not as successful as just being that guy. As horrible and cliche as that sounds, like I feel like there's some merit to that. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're not. Yeah. Like, like, it's not a about book the... about picking up. I don't. You know, I, I don't. I, don't I literally don't believe in knowing what you're gonna say to a girl until you are like within two feet of her. Like I'll go up and be like, I have no idea what I'm gonna say right now. You're just yeah. beautiful, and you walk by, and I just wanted to come say hi. Um, what's your name? I mean, just something really honest. It doesn't matter. As long as you have your foot in the door, that's it. Yeah, just yeah. get your it's foot in the door and then figure though. it out. And also lean into your insecurity or lean into the stupidity of it. Like. You don't always have to be like a tough guy, you know. Or yeah, you like could a, be. A, you could be. A, this is the advice that I would give somebody who's like, "Oh, yeah, I know, but I'm like a nerd. And I wear glasses, and there's no way I'm. Why doesn't? Why don't you just go up to girl and be like, listen, I, I'm kind of a shy, introverted nerd. I can't believe I'm doing this, but you are so beautiful. Come on. I mean, it doesn't matter. Lean into whoever you are. Like, just be you. You know, don't try to be some like. If you're a nerd, don't try to have some like spit some stupid <laughs> baller line. You know what I mean? It's just, just, man, just, going. just be like, so insecure. I'm an insecure that nerd. Probably like, has no business talking to you right now because you're way hotter than me. <laughs> but I can't help myself. What's yeah. your name? You don't think that's gonna work? I mean, just be you. Legit. Yeah. I've gone up to girls yeah. and be like, "Are you interested in short bald guys?" <laughs> and what like, do I, they say? Well, I mean, it's just a, it's disarming. Like, just anything disarming and honest i mean anything that's not a pickup line i mean i would never don't be some like yeah. douche that reads a book about pickup lines just lean into whatever just you gotta just be yourself do you ever eventually get they're gonna figure out who you are right so what's the point yeah. of like lying from the beginning but do you ever get nervous if you see someone that's attractive like going up and talking to that person or no always a little not... bit nervous yeah it's a little yeah, bit it's but like, you're like a psychopath if you're like going yeah. up to a hot girl and you have like literally no nervousness <laughs> at all yeah. you know what i mean um, so you just yeah. go up, you get your foot, but in the not door, and you say whatever. No. I'm just really trying to understand this, yeah. and, yeah. and, and yeah. you are not f fearful of being rejected at all. No, but no, not really. I mean, it, it, no, because I mean, what's what's the worst case scenario? Is you, you're not gonna. So yeah. Can you can you bring up a scenario? You're maybe? not gonna date her if you don't talk to her. So. Well, yeah. I'd be more frustrated if I didn't talk to her. You know, what I mean, that would yeah, eat that bothers me, me far I, more I can, than rejection. Yeah, right. I can eat okay, at me like so, for hours. Really? Yeah. She was super. High. So was there ever a time where you you showed up and you're hungover or something, and you were stumbling on your words, and it just went. Horribly. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I'm, it, does I'm any totally stick sure. it like in your brain right now when I'm saying this, or you just throw it out? You don't even think about it. Oh, oh my memory sucks. It happened sure. to me yesterday. I was at the farmer's market, oh and I was with a couple of my buddies, and um, and there was two really beautiful women, and, and I, we were watching them walk around. I was like, hey, whatever. And then we were walking home, and they were in the car sitting on the sidewalk. I'm like, and my buddy was like, kept walking. I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna go talk to these girls, and I like go, go talk to them, and like. You know, it went fine, but it didn't go great. And, and, I, and I waddled back to the and he's like, well, how did it go? I'm like, oh. you know, and I knew I was going to get shit, but I'm like, whatever, I don't fucking care. You know, like, who cares? So, I mean, so, it wasn't like, 
a negative interaction. Yeah. It was just like, didn't, I'm not going to end up dating him. Okay. Do you remember what you said when you walked up to them and just initiate the conversation? Was it the vibes or was it what you said? I, they gave me the impression that they were like married or not interested in a guy sure. hitting on him. It wasn't like they were offended by me going to talk to him. I think they were actually kind of appreciated the attention, but I just got the vibe of like, this isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It doesn't like bother me in the, in the slightest. And also, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that some unattractive, like, you know, just nerdy, whatever, guy at the bush, go to the bar and just start relentlessly hitting on every hawker. Like, you know, just, I mean, have some respect for, you, for the, you know, mm-hmm. for, for, don't, don't just like try to get one out of a hundred, you know, and just like annoy the shit out of everybody at the bar and be relentless. Like if I get a clue that it's not, I, I'll back just stand off. at the door. I'm not one of those guys like, no, I'm going to talk to her seven <laughs> times until she's creeped the fuck out. You know, like I think guys should be respectful and don't, you don't hit on 30 girls a night and, and you don't creep on them if, or just stare at them for 20 minutes and not talk to them. Or if, if there's not a vibe, then just back off, you know, but have the balls. If there's a girl in particular that you're interested in, have the balls and you definitely don't leave that bar without talking to her. That's kind of my general. I mean, opinion. life is is about probability, you know. So if you're interested in meeting a woman, then you have to increase that probability. Um, I mean, it's everything. You, I think you can map everything out on a bell curve, you know. And if you got to just, if you want something to happen, then you just got to put yourself in a position where that's more likely to happen. You know, if you want to meet a girl, then go to coffee. Don't have coffee at home. Go to a coffee shop. I mean, just that's it's all statistics. Mm-hmm. You did the same thing with clients at open houses, by the way. Sometimes people would leave and you wouldn't see them leave. And I remember you running out the same way that you would see a girl walk by, you'd run out and talk to that client as yeah. they're like driving away in their car. You'd like flag them down. Talk yeah, I don't them. have a ton of shame. Like, yeah. I'll just, I'll just do whatever. And like, again, I mean, if you, if you're going to have that lack of shame, like if you're going to, you know, have that confidence, then be authentic. Like I think if there's, I'm trying to think about when you said why we're, good with women I, I wouldn't use that term i would say authenticity is probably confidence and authenticity yeah. are two things and, that we're, and yeah. through confidence and authenticity comes honesty and and uh you know a, a lot of other things that like women respect I and mean, i think everything emanates from from confidence i think everything kind of almost in life emanates from confidence like real confidence not like mm-hmm. bravado arrogance but yeah. like if you really believe that you're just like you know a good human being who deserves you know to be happy essentially you're not going to be negative and talking shit to people. You're not going to lie to a girl to try to sleep with her. You're not like from that foundation comes a lot of other positive attributes. If you really just have to have that foundation, I would love if you can give Jack some dating advice. I, this always, I oh, actually, you're cool, you're single, you're cool, yeah, I mean, this yeah, is, you're, you're welcome. This is the, this I mean, the best it's going to get. What do you? What's your situation? What do you want? What do I want? I mean, okay, so I'm open to anything. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I don't want to pigeonhole myself into a certain thing. Objective. Boys, girls. I mean, girls. Okay. Yeah, I will pigeonhole myself okay. into that niche. But okay. uh, yeah, I, I, I would obviously eventually I want to find the person. I do want to have a lifelong partner. I think it's a pretty, I would say, objective thing for me, which would be good. What's eventually? Um, like in a year? And like I mean, years. I don't want to rush into it, right? Like I don't want to... Like subver- if you met her now. If I met her now, uh, I, w- I would like more be- experience, I suppose, before. Yeah. But who am I to deny, so, so- you know, a... a perfect lifelong mate so i've told know? jack the person who he is at 25 is going to be totally different at 30. yeah but you can also yeah 25. 25. okay but you can grow with yeah. them which the other yeah, thing is true too which is yeah. interesting because everyone when they're thinking about uh, dating advice or finding a significant other they're thinking about those actions like those direct actions of meeting the person when i think it's interestingly i think and maybe paradoxically i think working on yourself makes you attract i mean mm-hmm. i think the reason that we are good with women or whatever however you want to put it is because we're very secure and confident 
when we're alone. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you want to go out and, and like meet a great woman, make sure that you're at home alone and you're happy and you're confident and you, you know, feel good about yourself. Because then you project that when you go out. Well, let's assume okay. women can like. Uh, well, I'm saying seem like you. But working on that is probably more important than working on. Let's let's woman. break down what you just said. To be at home alone and happy with yourself. What sort of metrics? And what elements way, would you? more for women. Like I think women make very bad decisions often with men, and it's not because they're they're always like the why do I choose the wrong guy? Like that's not they're not choosing the wrong guy. They're just not happy with themselves. And that's the problem. So instead of fo- they're always focusing on why am I choosing the wrong guy, they're not focusing on themselves. And it's the same thing with men too. I mean, I think you just if you work if on you're yourself, from a place of security then you're going to find a good person. Yeah. You'll kind Remember of what like... I said? If you're, if you're, I forget exactly how I phrase it, but if you have a foundation and core of confidence and and happiness, then mm-hmm. you have a gravity for other good. Yeah, things. And if you don't, kind it's of just the exact opposite. Yeah. Everything negative. You'll go to a bar and you will meet a, a beautiful, and, and that woman will be secure too. Like you'll draw. A secure, intelligent, okay. you know, uh, woman. I I, you are. I do want to dive deeper into what you said about existing alone in your house and being happy and confident and secure and all that stuff. So, what metrics and what other things do you use to determine whether or not you're happy? Like, like what could be affecting that experience that you just said? That's a tough one for me. So, yeah, if, if somebody if, if somebody's home and they're not happy, they're not stoked. What would you recommend they do? Oh, there could be a million to... different things that are making them not happy. I mean, I think you just. So, have how to... do they figure it out? Well, we talked about this. Just those little things of, of asserting control of your. You'd life. say it's purpose. I'd say see control a of your life. Get purpose, and that's like going to the gym, eat well, cleaning your environment, going to the gym. There's only there's certain things that everybody, almost everybody has. Well, everybody first has a mm-hmm. body, so assert control over that. Assert pride over that. Second, most the vast, vast majority of people have uh, a place where they, they ha- you know, a habitat. Assert control over that. Take Some pride in that. that yeah. Just start at the absolute basics. Also, if, if you have a job, even if you don't like it, be the employee. That, you know, whatever you have control yeah, over. Be prideful assert, of what you do. Assert control like, over that and, and have pride over that. And then things emanate from and, there. And also, yeah. treating people really well makes you feel good about yourself. So even though you're doing something nice and you know it's supposed to be altruistic, it actually makes you feel a lot better. So... One, that's another thing you can control. You can control the way that you treat people, mm-hmm. and that gives you confidence. It makes you feel good. Work, be very prideful in everything you do, including your work, and then take care of your body, take care of your health. If you're, if you're doing all those things, you're probably going to be a lot happier. And I think it, a lot of that's not being attached to a certain outcome. Like if you're happy by yourself at home, you're not going to be too dependent on this yeah. other person. And I think that's what people make bad decisions because yeah. they're, they're, they are seeking a boy or a girl to make them fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And if that is the reason you're out there, you're going to pick up. Right. You're not a whole piece in and of yourself. Other. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many women that I know that, that are like, why do I keep making the same mistake with men? I mean, it is definitely not that they're making bad decisions. It's that they're looking to fulfill There's something. There's a few reasons mm-hmm. for that, too. There's a lot of women that I know that, that are dating athletes. Well, there's also like shitty men out there, yeah, too. Right. Like, uh, yeah. It's like, I want a super sexy, sophisticated, like worldly, wealthy, confident, outgoing, super funny, like huge personality i'm like that guy is banging every girl in la you know i mean just like i'm not saying that that doesn't sound like a great guy right. but for god's sake maybe maybe date an accountant you know <laughs> who's like really nice and like charming and, and loyal and, and and generous and and a kind person you know i mean like use your common sense if you really want to like a husband don't freaking date the nba player no offense to all nba yeah. players you know that's like gregarious and like has knows everybody and walks in the club and just fucking with the bouncer it's like that guy is cool to be with but seriously i mean use some fucking common sense 
you know <laughs> that guy's gonna <laughs> cheat on you and be an yeah. asshole i think it goes the uh, the other way too with guys that go for women who just uh, you know they're not going to necessarily make the best wife but you know they'll be attracted to that yeah it, maybe it, it goes yeah. for both I, I i guess i see it a lot more in women because i have this conversation a lot more with women and if i'm talking well, about a guy women who has are like, better at being uh monogamous too generally like yeah a, you generally. can find a mm-hmm. very successful gorgeous confident woman that is very down to just be monogamous mm-hmm. yeah generally speaking even more so in la like the very the really outgoing confident successful good-looking guy probably is less inclined to be monogamous you know it's just a yeah. testosterone yeah do you think that's just an options thing that maybe in la yeah there's more LA options is like available. disneyland for, for yeah. that guy yeah i mean i would yeah. argue that most marriage a lot of marriages across this country um are monogamous because of, of default because they're not presented options i mean if you took those marriages and you put them into like you know the middle of west hollywood for five years and you know you had beautiful people around all of them they probably would have a less likely chance of being together yeah but when you never meet beautiful when you don't see beautiful women all day long it's a lot easier to be monogamous at home i'm sure is that one of the reasons why you've decided maybe not to get married at this point yeah i'm sure if i was in yeah. des moines iowa yeah. my chance of being married would be higher i don't think it would sure. be sky high but it'd be higher than being in west hollywood yeah there's no place i could probably be to, that would lower my chances of marriage more than west hollywood yeah there was a divorce lawyer who's making his rounds right now on podcasts. Uh, I think James Sexton is incredible, but he was saying something that I think it was fewer than 20% of marriages last and are actually happy. 50% yeah. end in divorce, and then about 30% stay together for the kids, but they're not happy. I, I was at that so, tracks with, with my uh, at, at interactions. Most, yeah. I would have guessed maybe 10 to yeah. 15%. Yeah. And we're, and we're, yeah. you know, we, we're analytical. So, you know, you look at those statistics. I'm not, you know, everyone thinks they're not a statistic, but you, by definition, you are a statistic. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine marriage would be considered anachronistic as a societal expectation within 80 years. I really do. I think, oh, yeah, remember when everyone was getting married? I think it's going to be like that in a few generations. What do you think the replacement is going to be? Or is there going to be a replacement? Uh, more partnership, more modern relationships, yeah. whatever, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. A, it a could mir- be something akin a, to a what myriad you of things. You just a have like of... your boy or whatever, and you guys are homies. And then yeah, you just more, like more trust each other. And you have open relationships. Multiple solutions. Everyone's going to figure out their own solution. Mm-hmm. But do you think that that would be productive? Do you think that that is a good well, way to Well, given raise... what Graham just said, do you think that's productive? With the statistics Graham yeah. just said, 20% of people happy? I would say... I mean, the baseline is pretty shit. But how can you get that number just strictly off of the relationships and stuff like that sorry the 20 percent of people are, 20%? are happy in marriage well you're saying yeah. productive well, but i'm the, saying like that's the, the basic it's good for society that people are not taking a traditional well, approach ha- happiness is better for society yeah. i think that more people that are happy that i mean i'm a utilitarian so i think overall happiness is the moral goal and if you have a lot and i think this is true a lot of marriages that are unhappy that cannot be good I mean, as like a, the vast as majority. Society. How but, is that? How is that sustainable? But what about back in the day? I mean, they also weren't yeah, happy back in the day. Yeah, but they Everyone, lived with it. It likes to aggrandize like the olden days. You know, like they were like, different cultures. Go back there. to the 30s, 40s, 50s. Though they were, they you got married and you never got divorced, but 80 percent of them were unhappy. That's not Ma- marriage. A good life. I think started with with for financial reasons. It didn't start from love. Yeah, religion, well, I think farming. You kind of do need you know. some sort of like lifelong partnership to like foster a good productive society with family units and stuff i, I think that's a good thing but what if, if it's happy what if 80 yeah, percent yeah. of them are unhappy then i think it's more of a personal thing than it is probably 
a familial. That maybe thing. people are getting together you know? for the wrong reasons. We've tried marriage for over a hundred. But if you have better structures, well, I don't think right, people get to, together for the wrong reasons. I think people stay together for the wrong reasons, and that's why they're unhappy. Okay, well, both. I, I might be able to get. But I mean, if if you have a system like that's that's been failing for generations, whether it's like you know public schools or or the institution of marriage. What's the solution? It, well, I just don't I know, know if it has been failing. Maybe I could be living in like a little bubble, and I'm not referencing. Let, let, let's I'm assume, not referencing let's assume those statistics like are true, though, just for the purpose of argument. Sure. That 80 percent of people in marriages are not happy. 50 yeah. percent end in divorce. Mm-hmm. I think it's higher than that. And 30 percent of the remaining 50 percent are unhappy. So 20 percent of people are pretty sustainably. When you happy get married, you have a one in five chance. I would say statistically. Of being happy of having, and lasting. Of, of actually living with that, yeah, that being your one sole for, monogamous for, mate for, that you're happy with. For yeah. purpose of our, this argument, let's sure, just assume we'll that's assume true that's so true. we don't yeah. fight the... Right. What other institution would survive with 20% success rate? It's difficult, though, because I went through and I looked up all of these statistics about, like, you know, what couples are least likely to get divorced, and it does go down to about 25% if you're over the age of 25, college-educated, and make a yeah. certain amount of money. Well, I think that, that takes w- waiting, it down substantially. I think waiting yes. to get married is probably the is right. Because I think that marriage is a great institution, um, but I think that it's just it's rushed into. I think that mar- people should. Get, my dad got married last week at. 75. I saw that. Yeah. I think people should be getting married later. You know. Well, maybe and, it, maybe yeah. it could survive with with different. Um, like I mean, I have no stake in this game. I, I, yeah. I all things being equal, I, I kind of hope it survives, but if I had to bet on it, I, I don't know. But maybe uh, maybe you do. I, I don't know. Maybe there's a solution where you. Try to encourage people to do it later, but, but what are you going to do? Say, be wealthier and be educated and be older? I mean, that, you can't force that yeah. on a society. Make more but money. What, what yeah. kind of, uh, how would the kids be raised in this sort of like thing that we're, we're describing? That I mean, I have. Oh, hold on, real quick. We've already said that 50% of kids are being raised by a single parent already in this, in this structure that it is right now. Mm-hmm. And 30 But that's, per- it's, but I don't. An additional thirty percent are being raised by a couple. What, what that's is not the happy. data on on these kids that are being raised up in single parent households? When well, it's you probably not as good as, a, as a I don't know. I'm, I'm just giving you the stats because you're asking because you're it, the, the way you phrased that question made it sound like everybody's being raised by married couples. Fifty mm-hmm. percent of kids are being raised by single parents, according mm-hmm. to this. If we're mm-hmm. if we're agreeing with this stat, another thirty percent of kids are being raised by a couple that aren't happy with each other. So, that the the question itself. You know, kind of cheats the the issues. But wouldn't eighty percent of kids are already in a bad sure. spot? Well, one, I think people probably have there'll be less kids, which I think is probably a good thing. It's not like we need population. Um, so I think people are being more careful about the decision to have kids and the decision to get married. I think those are both healthy. I think that it's, there's not a mandate anymore that you have to have a kid to be like a successful person. That mm-hmm. used to be a man, you know, basically a mandate mm-hmm. for the last hundred years. Fertility rates are plummeting in developed countries. Absolutely yeah. plummeting. But I think as they should. It, it, the, the main risk to society is not global warming. It's, it's fertility rates. And it's a guaranteed that we're going to die out, essentially guaranteed unless we change something dramatically, that we're just going to die out as a population. If you look at China and Japan and South Korea and the United States, every, every single country in the world has fertility rate below two. Yes. Except for some of the countries in Africa, the entire world. The what is only two? What is two? two is sustainable because yeah. there's a I think it, right now man and a woman having a yeah. you need every two kids couple. The average place. is one point oh, okay. eight kids. Six, one point seven. Yeah, one point yeah. eight kids. And, and the wealthier yeah. the country, the more developed the country, the lower the fertility rate. It's like a direct relationship with that. So if it wasn't for Africa, who will eventually get developed enough to have less than two fertility rate? That's if you really want to talk about threats, existential threats to society. That's Number one, two, three, four, five, and six. And why right do you there. think people are talks about less it. kids? Is it just because, because they have more options available? They don't need well, to have more kids. Well, because almost mandated that you have a kid, or you were you, you were weird. 
now it's it's become normalized to not have a kid. The, the wealthier, more intelligent you are. I don't exactly know why, but this is just a fact. Yeah. The, the wealthier, more intelligent, more developed society you live in, the less kids you have. I mean, that is a fact throughout the world. And that's not. I mean, we're exactly. I don't exactly know why. Yeah, you, but it, you know, fifty years ago, you would have a kid already. Yeah. You and Macy would have a kid. You'd have six. But now you don't. People used to have six. You, don't have right. you can be forty and not have a kid, and it's normalized. But we're pivoting. That, that is an interesting thing to talk about. But we're pivoting from uh, from marriage. So, let me ask you. Well, that's also been normalized too. Open relationships, fluid relationships, you know, whatever type of non-monogamous situations, those are normalized now. And my guess is in 50 to 100 years, it will be probably even the dominant you do you know, think that's status. Do you think that that's moving in the right direction for society? Or do you feel like it's better to have more of a constrained... Uh, well, I don't uh, think constraint is yeah. a good thing in and okay. of itself. I don't think, you know, defined constraints are, are good. I think happiness is good. Sure. So... If the, and I don't know if there's enough studies on these relationships, but if we look in 50 years and people are happier and in happier relationships, then I think by definition, um, those structures are, are better than the current system. I just believe in, in choice and being open-minded. I, I don't know the yeah. solution. I just know that I don't see a solution right now. Unhappy marriages you know I mean? is not, cannot be the answer. And there are right. too many people in unhappy marriages. I mean, if I so, so you might as well try meet another if, guy who tells yeah. me not to get married. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole concept of federalism is try have the states be laboratories of, I forget what the exact term is, of, of experimentation. Try different things in different states as opposed to forcing one thing on, the, on, on all of the United States. And that's kind of the beauty of, of our federalist system. So with marriage, why don't we, we try tons of different types of relationships to see what works for some people, some works for other people. There's no way there's going to be one solution for everybody because people are so different. And I don't know the answer. I just, I know that I don't see an answer right now. And you think that you're going to be the 20% as does everybody else who gets married. But you have an 80% chance, although I guess you're wealthy and educated and, and over 25, so maybe you have a 50% chance, whatever it is. But The institutions you know, already changed, too. I mean, it used to be you couldn't have interracial marriages, you couldn't have gay marriages. So it's, we've already finally normalizing different types of relationships, and mm -hmm. that's obviously a positive, you know what I mean? Um, so I think it's just going to continue. Yeah. I mean, what was interesting is that we, dis uh, we spoke with someone recently um, was talking about arranged marriages and how those were actually the happiest overall. They had the most fulfillment, they were the happiest, and they stayed together the longest. Yeah. Maybe it's the exact opposite of us well, being West Hollywood. Yeah, but that, that, yeah. that also <laughs> brings up an interesting uh, uh, studies as well. Because people are happier with their decision when they don't have a choice. Yes. Uh, that's been proven in studies. I right. Mean, so, which is why people are less, like you give somebody 20 options at a restaurant, let's say, or 30 options at a restaurant, or whatever it is, they'll generally be less happy with their choice of food than if you give them four options. Mm -hmm. um, I if think you three give somebody, is, yeah. is the, but the So if you give somebody one option and you tell them, like, yeah. this is your wife, and you don't think that you have any other option, you probably actually psychologically will be happier with that person because you don't have any other options and you know you don't. If you're looking around, you're like, oh, I could have married that person, I could have married that person, you're probably going to be less happy. That's why so, all, yeah. all weddings give you three choices on the end. No, <laughs> but I have heard that yeah. uh, the studies show that three options is, is That's why yeah. marriages are probably don't last as well in LA. That's why Baskin Robbins is not doing options. Well. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to get back to you, to you dating. Yeah. So you think that this is, I mean, maybe it will work for you. But I so, know it will work for me. Okay, I, and I know fair. by definition I am part of a statistic or whatever, but I'm very confident. In the same fair, way that you fair. have confidence in every way, every decision you walk through life with, I have a lot of confidence in this one. 
So you're looking for that now, or you, or you just know you want? Like I said, I, I don't. I, I mean, I'm looking for anything. I like. I'm. I've opened this to experience, right? Are you not out there dating? Like, what are you doing? I, I, yeah, I, I'm dating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't get defensive. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, bro. Forget yeah. it. No, no, dating. it's cool. Get it. <laughs> settle down. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> dating. I, a ton of people too. Like, they're really hot, hot ones. Too. Okay. Yeah. So why, why would you need advice? Like, what's wrong with? Well, I, I don't think I do. Oh, right. Grant, the Grant thing said, is, like, right? I, I've received a lot of advice over the course of the past couple of years, specifically from Grant. From other people, select <laughs> okay. people as it's, well. It's it's and, funny, I don't and know. it's good. It's been very productive for me, and okay. I think that I'm finally at the point. Obviously, I'll continue learning. I'll continue getting experience and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm I'm pretty. I think I've kind of good. I would then I don't have any advice for you. Thank Just you. Keep being you, bro. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll try it's got to be something you could ask. I'm, of course, there are things I could work on. Um, the main thing I suppose that I have, but I don't think that there's anything that you could necessarily say. Hopefully, you can uh, to solve this. Would be the fear of rejection. And then there's also one other thing. When you talk to somebody in a friendly manner, but you have romantic interest in them, for me, it's very hard to break through that barrier of platonic to non-platonic. I don't know how to necessarily navigate that transition. That is the one thing that's always been very tricky for me. And the other thing is the fear of rejection. If I could solve fear those two, I would be is, is totally normal. Normal. And if you got rid of fear of rejection, you'd be a Those two things are related. Right, but, but, mm-hmm. but people conquer it, right? So it's, of course it's normal. I think you I can minimize this, but... it. Um, but again... But the those whole two things are related. Other people's right? actions are a reflection yeah. of them, not you. Like if you don't internalize rejection as some, is there's something wrong with you, then it won't bother you as much. You know, there's a million reasons. So that is one of the supporting frameworks that you have that allows you. Yeah, if you, you take to... things personally, you know, or internalize uh, other people's actions, then you're going to be sensitive to rejection. Uh, that's not. But there does have to, to be a certain over. thing where you need a reality check of like, okay, well, I've asked out oh, 100 girls in a certain yeah, yeah, manner yeah. and they've all rejected Listen, me. It's like, there's okay, no like, guy that I think gets rejected and, and like it doesn't. Right, Sting but, but it's, it can sometimes be a reflection of you, right? Sometimes. Yes. Like, I mean, yes. we got to be ignorant towards you. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, it yeah, can be a reflection. True. You know, if there's a pattern, I can... Generally a reflection of circumstance. Women are far more open uh, than men are, I think, physically. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, women, it's, I think, uh, find um, personality, you know, safety, I agree. I agree. security. Like, yeah. so many things is more important. Um Men, I think, are much more superficial. And, and I think I think men take it as a reflection of their looks and or their lack of money when it's really a reflection of lack of confidence. I think that or happens. just a bad personality. Just could be that too. Person. Yeah, it could be. You know yeah. what? But I, but I think they, they, you have a bad person. I think they always say, "I didn't get that girl because she because yeah. she wants a guy with more money and she yeah. wants a, a six foot dark hair." Whatever. No, the, you're either a douche <laughs> or you're insecure. You know, it's, it's a personality. And thing. then it leads yeah. guys to like front. You know, and that's the worst yeah. thing you can do. Is not be yourself, not be authentic. People so, see right through that. That's the thing. That's uh, it can take. Yeah. Well, eventually, they do. Yeah. Eventually, they will. No, I think that's good. So, so you would say to somehow eclipse that platonic to non-platonic. Oh, that's a. I mean, that's a very. Is this like a friend you've had? I mean, not, no, this is just like 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 you're I, talking to sure somebody, and, yeah. and I would say gauging interest. Maybe not even platonic to non-platonic, okay. but like gauging interest. You're talking to someone casually in a bar, right? And then like you're kind of waiting for a green light. I'm not the type to be like, okay, like am I good? Am I not good? Like I'll just, just kind of stand for, there and number. just be like this, and then like I'll say, oh, ha, 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 Jack, and she'll like brush my arm, and I'm like, that seems like, right. like five so percent. Let me chime in. You know what I mean? Because I could say objectively, Jack's in it. He can't see it. There's so many times where I tell Jack, dude, that girl was into you. No, no, she wasn't into me. I'm like, dude, I could, I could see it. She was. No, no, she wasn't. And then plenty of times too, where he's like, dude, I'm really into this girl. I'm like, she's not into you at all. And I could see just by the messages. I mean, this is like a friend. It's not going. Anywhere. I don't think you have a great gauge on that. I do. I, I, I've been I right think I'm every a... time. No, you have yes, not I been have. right every time, Graham. You are have... so wrong. Remember, you cannot dinner, say you've been right. Remember the dinner every... one? You were gonna go. That's one di- specific one. Yeah, yeah of because it was the most recent. It was like two weeks ago. Which dinner one? That was like two weeks ago. 
<laughs> well, there's the also recent. some nuance to that, but we can we can work around that. Yeah, there are some nuances to that. Anyways, he's not yeah. right all the time. I don't, and he's he's time. been wrong actually a lot Generally, of the time. Generally, people so I, can, are better like, when they're a step yes, removed. Exactly. Of course, I agree. I do agree with that. But I will say he's surprisingly wrong. <laughs> what, what's the risk of just trying to take a plasma tonic every time? What's the risk? Just denial? I mean, what's the risk of just asking? If you don't know if she's interested, just ask for her number. What, what's the, what if she sees you as a friend? It's like, how do you deter oh, so you? Already, I can't we'll read do it before mind. you establish you know? a friendship. Let's go to dinner. So, what, okay, but I'm thinking like some stri- more straightforward, like, mm-hmm. hey, are you into me? But you got to do it. Or is that de- that's desperate? That's horrible. Yeah, you winced <laughs> when weird. I said it. Like, you winced. Yeah. You should. Why, why you, you do it way before you're you're a friend with this person? Yeah. Like, that, that takes like a month. We we'll do it on the first date. See right. what'll happen? Jack will ask for a number. She'll say yes. He'll say, "Let's grab dinner." She'll say yes. And then over dinner, she'll be like, "Oh, so I'm thinking of starting a YouTube channel." And this, it's just, uh, it's yeah. platonic. There's, uh, there's nothing romantic uh, there. Uh, yeah. That's not what happened. Where I'm are you just getting just that information from. That has never. There's been a few times you've told me. Hypoth- that, that could that happen. happen. That happens to me sometimes. Yeah. Where like I'm looking into real estate, you know, I'm like, okay, maybe this is not. You yeah, know, it happens. That happens. Don't okay, feel bad. I'm sure. I'm sure it does. <laughs> Never to me though. Not, not always like it super. Definitely not to Jack. It doesn't happen to me as often as it happens to you. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying it happens. To you. It probably happens to you a lot. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, all the time. Every single day, basically. Yeah. But no, it's it's actually it's not too tough out there. At, at a given time, it kind of it's was fun. tricky. It, it's it's can but be it's, fun out there. I mean, people complain, but I think it's fun. I agree. I do. There's a lot of good people out there. By the way, I do not believe in a Mister Right. And a Mrs. Wright. There are probably fifty thousand or a hundred thousand Mr. Wrights and Mrs. Wrights for every person. You don't meet your soulmate. You have there's a probably a million soulmates for you out there. So it's not that hard. Well, I do think obviously that there is one person out there that you are most compatible with. Well, but there is a th- by definition, right, by definition statistics. If you were to marry, but you're not going to find if that. You were person. to live. She's 50 probably years in with every single or, person. You know, Thailand or possibly yeah, the more densely Argentina. populated areas, right? No, but, I'm just saying it, it, there's one person. Of course, you, of course. Well, it's on a scale. If you line everyone up out of eight billion, the chance of that person being in LA and ever coming to contact with you. You'd be lucky to get like, someone in the top 400,000. Right, I agree, but I, I, I think, and you're probably nobody on the planet is with their soulmate. Statistically, Statistic- nobody is with their soulmate. But. Statistically, there's always okay. one. I'd have problem. to do that calculation. There's eight one billion people. Person. That means there's right. four no, billion right. potential partners. That, that, that is, if they well, were to marry every you, single person. No, there's there's eight billion, billion potential partners. If you date right, babies but, through yeah. eighty-year-olds. Okay, so we. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I, I think, mean, but there's probably yeah. you know three hundred million potential partners. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I, what I'm trying to say is, I think you're probably in agreement with this. I've always thought that there's a threshold of compatibility. If you exceed this th- threshold with some other person, then you are viable lifelong partners with them. But you can obviously go higher and higher and higher and higher yeah, on this like range exactly. of compatibility. But as long as you're over the threshold, you're okay. Now, right. I don't want to hold out for someone that's just over the threshold. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I want to try to find someone that's not only over the threshold, but like as high of as course. I can possibly get. Says everybody who's ever gotten in a relationship. Yeah, right. But I agree. There's no Mister and Mrs. And by the way, so the more confident you are when you're at home alone watching Netflix, you know, doing your thing, the more, the less you're going to settle, and that so therefore the the better spouse you're going to choose. So, Mm -hmm. if you really need a girlfriend, you're not and you're insecure and you're not happy with yourself, you're going to just as soon as you hit the threshold, you get a seven. You're going to you're going to lock it down. But if you're super confident in yourself, so you don't you're not trying to to fulfill something with the relationship. Then you're gonna say, you know of what? Course. I'm not gonna sell down until I get a nine. Right. And then guess what? You get a, you end up getting a nine. Might take longer. Mm-hmm. So I think those relationships. And then she ends are up happier. being batshit crazy. <laughs> I don't yeah, mean a nine in search. terms of looks. As I mean a nine in terms are. of like you right. know, overall threshold. Yeah. Overall nine, yeah. Yeah. So if you yeah. found <clears throat> somebody in like the the top one percentile, I have many compat- times. I'd and say every still- girlfriend that I've had is in top one percentile. Doesn't mean that I'm gonna get married. Yeah. But I, you know, so I don't think there's anything wrong. When do you disqualify people in dates? What does it require? I mean, we could have a dating uh, conversation. I'd say intelligence, you know, like a 
So, well, there's a scale if you're super high. <laughs> <laughs> It depends on my needs right, are. It's flexible, yeah. right? Do you have a chart? Can I do the, 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 the heart to crazy scan? Yeah. Yeah. There are other YouTube videos on this. Yeah, you don't yeah, need yeah. me for that. Someone, someone said, I think it was Ty Lopez, actually. We had him on the podcast recently. He asked what I was interested in women. And I said, like, number one, I said intelligent. He said, yes, well, there are actually plenty of studies that exist that say that, like, you're most compatible with people that are in one standard deviation of your IQ, which I thought yeah. was really interesting. So, like, it, you can't just say you're in, attracted to intelligent people because... If by you're intelligent, default, you're gonna by, by this. Yeah, if you are you very intelligent, are. you're gonna need an intelligent. Right, and if you're Elon Musk, I mean, you can't just be. You know, you have to group like from very select. There may be nobody who can satisfy yeah. your intellectual, exactly. you know, curiosities. Yeah, but I don't think that you. I mean, that's one category. Yeah, I think there's a range of intelligence that I would be willing to be with long term, from like a six to a ten. On intelligence yeah, like scale, one, one or two depending on where she is and every other. On scale, everything, it would be the same thing right. for overall happiness. Like I like a happy person, mm-hmm. um, a confident person, a Someone beautiful person, calming, funny. You know, don't take themselves too seriously. Yeah, respectful. You can be, you can be better. Yeah. You can be super smart and shit in conversation and vice versa. So there's so many categories. Everyone know? has to sacrifice. You're not going to be all those things. Sex right? life. I mean, there's so, like if she's a ten in bed and a six on intelligence, I'd rather that than a ten in intelligence and a six in bed. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but either way, maybe not. Maybe not. Everything's a scale. You know? That's a tough one. That's a really. There's a lot of that's diagrams. A, that's really a new idea. I mean, have to figure it all out. But you know, it's everything's be a flow chart. Yeah. yeah, and there's so many different categories of, of characteristics that you got to consider. So I mean, you know, right. And depends what you want in life too. Are you just looking for sex? Are you looking for marriage? Are you looking for kids? So you know, parenting skills. Yeah, like maternal instincts. Yeah, and I mean that's huge if you're looking for a mom. You know, so I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. That's interesting that you don't no. place very much importance on that. Uh, yeah, I don't. You know, right. I don't because well, I don't. he needs to be mothered. So I would. Right. So I high. would definitely look into that. Like I would think, okay, how was this person raised by their parents? Because realistically, it's probably going to be something akin to that, right? Yeah. Like how we would raise akin, our kids. but not. Or how they, they are with their too dog. Do they have, you a have a dog shit childhood and yeah. a great mom. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So your skills, your your list of characteristics is different than ours. Right. You know. Right, of course. And Graham, hmm. yours I'm sure is different from ours as well. I'm just trying to loop him into the conversation. <laughs> no, sorry, his, his, I'm just yeah. actively listening. I find it so interesting. He loves to yeah. like, when, when yeah. in any lull in the conversation, he yeah. just like directs all conversation towards me and dating. <laughs> what are you finding today in the real estate market? It was interesting. It was two and a half years ago, by the way, you made a prediction that you said that home prices would remain high and that inventory would be really low because no one would want to sell when interest rates go up. And you filmed that with us when interest rates, I think, were about 3% before they started hiking rates. The one thing you did get wrong was that you said that homes above $5 million would not be affected because a lot of those buyers are cash and they don't care. And you said the hardest hit properties would probably be in the 1% to 3% range because that's yeah. where they're very interest rate sensitive. It seems like now the 1% to 3% range is holding up, whereas the over 5 is really taking a hit because those buyers are pulling back. You mean in terms of volume or prices? Prices. I'd say, I'd say that's right. Everything you just said. Yeah. Well, you're, but you're, I'd say that, that the lower. I mean, everything is taken probably down about ten or fifteen percent from the high. I'd but say, I'd rather be selling a one point five million dollar house right now than a fifteen million. I mean, obviously for the commission, I'd rather. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but I think that's always the case. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a time where. You'd yeah, rather, but I think the high end, ultra high end, has gotten hit harder than the low end, which well, is the mansion, the mansion tax, I think, really yeah. hurt the high end. That, that was yeah. not predictable. Um, yeah. I'd say outside the mansion tax, we'd we be seeing a much healthier and robust uh, transaction volume. Not anywhere near what we were used to, but like nationwide, I think the volume in most cities for uh, luxury has dropped about 25 to 35%. Mm-hmm. And I think in LA, we're at about 60%. And I think that has to do with the mansion tax. And what do you think is going to happen over the next two to five years? 
Just overall, if the we don't need to talk about just in LA. Yeah. Then um, we're, we're never going to see a return to the robust. The consequences sales. of the high end market for or development. Development shut this is basically yeah. shut. And what about around the country? Not necessarily just LA, but just in general for someone watching this, I, I, they want to know your come, insights. I think interest rates are going to come down probably in within you know eight, eight, eight to twelve months. months. Yeah. Oh, I'd say it's a little sooner, maybe eight. And to I 12. think I think macroeconomically we're, we're pretty sound. We really are. I think this is really an interest rate driven issue. Um, that's not true of like office space and some retail because after COVID and cultural shifts are, are going to remain in, in effect f maybe forever for generations. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere near that sector. But for residential, I feel like macroeconomic trends are strong. The only issues really is real estate. I mean, pardon me, is interest rates. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, I'd say 12 to 18 months. I mean, look, I don't have a crystal ball, but 12 to 18 months, interest rates will probably come down. And I think that will have to around 5%. I'm a, like a linear, a sure. linear you know, uh, reaction with... I mean, we're not going to go back to 2021, inventory. you know, in terms of that, nor should we. I mean, that was just too... too in terms of what, idea. interest rates? Or uh, in no, terms of volume well, and everything. sales? Everything. So yeah. in terms of interest rates, we're not... I mean, I hope we don't go back below 3%. That's just... That's not sustainable. It creates too much growth um, and too much speculation. And um, and I also don't think we're going to see that type of, of sales volume that we saw in 2021. 45%. We're not going to see that type of price increase. I mean... 2021 was an anomaly. Yeah. I hope that we don't see that. We're going to get like stable. four to five percent interest rates on a 30 year loan. Under five yeah. would be great. Five percent. Right. On a, Sustainable, on a, on a five, yeah. healthy enough. You know, and yeah. I think the market will. I think, I think it was CoreLogic that said four and a half percent would be the tipping point that the majority of people who have a rate locked in at two and a half to three and a half percent would consider could, could selling sell, yeah. okay. at four and a half percent. Anything above that would, preserve, would cause them to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a, any particular. But I'd say about four, four and a half would be fine. It's all a sliding scale. As, a, yeah. as interest rates go down, you're going to see more volume. Um, and development. You can't develop right now because no. you know construction loans are just too expensive. So between, I mean, L.A. specifically is going to have a really hard time with Yeah, but I mean, his, with, we're talking yeah, about nationally. Yeah. Yeah. What's your advice to someone who's thinking about buying a house right now? Is it to wait? Uh, no. Well, I would probably... If I were looking to buy, I'd probably wait three to six months and, and try to pick but up the But if you deal. find the, the right house and you can truly afford it. Yeah. But I would also negotiate. Pretty, yeah. If I was a buyer, I'd be I'd be writing a low offer mm -hmm. right now. Try to get next year's pricing today. I mean, I think that if things soften, you want to bake that in. Uh, I wouldn't buy right now unless... I wouldn't stretch right unless now. Unless it was yeah. a deal. If I could really afford something and I had a partner and we, we needed a place to live and we were whatever, like depending on your situation, you find a great house, you negotiate the, you negotiate it hard, your finances are reflective of being able to hold that house for the next 10 years pretty mm -hmm. much no matter what happens. There's no reason not to buy. But if you, you know, are stretching and you're like single and you're just like, I have to get real estate and I can, I can get this, you know, house if I, if I don't, if I get a shittier car, if I don't eat out for dinners and I can hold this, it's like, just chill for a little yeah. bit. Buy and like, you know, like wait for things to play yeah. out. The issue that I see is when you look at the, the price to buy versus rent, renting is half the, the cost right now. Yeah. And renting so, probably makes more sense than, right. than buying. But not in the long term, you know. So I don't know if it makes sense to rent for one year. If you really want to buy a house, you might as well just yeah. buy Yeah, I think house. the break even when I did the math on this was about 10 to 12 years where it becomes break even between the difference between buying and renting when you account for closing costs, maintenance. That's well, it really well, that's what it is right on, now, on, though, with interest rates. What at did eight. you factor for appreciation? Uh, net 1% over the next 10 years because I'm counting for maintenance and random things going up in price, like your insurance going up in, in price, property taxes going up. But what up. did you account right. for property okay, appreciation what, before you netted before everything? 2%. 2% average annual budget? Yes. That's low. That's low. 
over the next 10 years yeah, from low. today, yeah. I don't necessarily oh, think that's, that's so low. low. I don't oh, come on. Let statistically, me, that's low. I don't think I don't think it's going to be low when you look when you look at over I'm just 100 statistically, years. Statistically, if you look over 100 years, it's it, well, it really depends. No, it depends on the area. But then you also have to take into Fine. account area uh, inflation. In, if you're in like after inflation, a small too. town in Texas, maybe. But what are we okay, talking then about? You're telling yeah. me that a million dollar cities. house yeah. in ten years is going to be worth one point two one eight million? Possibly. No. In, in a major city. Yeah. Or what, what are we talking about? Uh, no, just just overall. I'm talking about no, like a bro. national. That's a lower national than average. Average. That's lower than statistical average. I don't know if there's been a ten year span where real estate. Is I'm sure there has, average. but statistically, that's low. That's all. I, th- I think low. when you adjust for inflation, I think that number might oh, be well, now realistic. We're talking, yeah, that could be below inflate. That that, that, right. that could be high if we're adjusting right. for inflation. But, but that's it, not fair because rents will go up over ten years according to inflation. Yeah, that that will track the same. Potentially. But rents are falling right. Rents, rents are falling right now. I think because well, I think every track prices. because I think prices every, everyone who's locked in that two and a half percent mortgage isn't yeah, going to want to sell it. And so if interest rates stay high, everyone's going to turn into a renter. Everyone's going to start down. renting. Yeah, but that's not a that's a that's a two year problem. It's not a ten year problem. I could I could yeah. see that being a three to six year problem. That yeah, a lot of rates people will still be high in, in three possibly. years. Possibly, they uh, remain at five percent. Yeah, five possible. Because the other thing is, you're not getting a thirty year fixed anymore. So a seven year like two years ago, a three percent was actually three percent because everyone was getting a thirty year. Mm-hmm. Um, now a three, you know, a seven percent is really a six percent because no one's getting a. a I think we're getting too nuanced. We, 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 we can agree. Yeah. There shouldn't be any FOMO right now. If you can't truly afford something in the long term, hold it for at least ten years, and it's a great property, and you think you're getting a great price, buy it. Other other than that, like there should be no rush right now. Can we just all agree on that? Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank that. you, Jason, uh, for coming on the show. I'm so glad to make this happen. And, yeah. and one thing, obviously, I kind of have like this like pseudo relationship with you guys because I know you by proxy via Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I, I know you guys and I feel like you have been a distant mentor of mine. You know, my mentor. Yeah, a lot of the advice yeah, you and Jason that. give me, I pass just on to gives Jack. it right back I to me. I wasn't aware of that. That's, that's, yeah. that's nice so, to hear. So it's actually helped quite a bit. So I appreciate that even though I've never really met you. But no, my thanks pleasure. For, yeah. for all the help. And totally the my years. pleasure jumping on this. I love that what you guys are doing. Love my brother and I both are fans of the podcast and you Thank guys you. personally. Yeah. It's it's fun to jump on here. So you should be doing this more often. You're, yeah, because you're so good speaking not, and like yeah. maybe you don't I, have an interest I, in it. I don't but. have an interest in it. The only reason I do it is because of yeah. our personal relationships. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Maybe I should do it more often. Maybe this will encourage yeah. me. And then give one shout out. You get one shout out for the episode. To like, what do you mean? Whatever, whatever you, want. you want to say to the audience. You could tell them watch Selling Sunset. You could tell yeah. them to you know check out soccer. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm gonna do that. Tell uh, them to check out okay. soccer. Um, season season eight. Uh, no, season seven. Shit, there's been so many. <laughs> season seven of Selling Sunset's coming out on November 3rd. So what is that? Like, Friday, what day is that? Monday. No. No, wait, sorry. Friday. That's Friday. Friday. Yeah, Friday. Yeah, on Friday. Is this coming out before that? Uh, after. Just two days Friday. after. Okay, fine. So if you haven't already checked out Selling Sunset, do that. Also, I am a huge... Graham knows I'm going to do this. I'm a huge U.S. soccer fan. So I just... The World Cup is coming to the United States. We're hosting it for the first time in a generation in 2026. So... Do a little bit of research, figure out what's going on because it's going to be really exciting. You can look into the U.S. men's national team, the soccer team. That's who's representing the United States in the World Cup. It's a phenomenal sport. We got Lionel Messi, the best player in the world now, playing in the United States. So just open up your mind to soccer because it's been a lot of fun for me. So I just want to give that little 30-second shout-out. Cool. Lionel Messi's not the best, but with that said, you guys... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. No, I think Lionel Messi is. Okay. Okay. With that said, you guys, thank you so much for watching. Until next, Until time. next time. 
we're really excited to announce today's sponsor, HubSpot. Look, I could say from experience that running a business can often feel like juggling a whole bunch of things at the same time. And one of the most overlooked aspects that most people don't even consider is digital marketing. That is exactly where HubSpot comes in. They've recently acquired The Hustle, which is a newsletter started with just one person and is now skyrocketed to over 3 million followers. HubSpot and The Hustle have teamed up to bring you a comprehensive guide on exactly what you need to do to build an effective newsletter. And I say all of this as somebody who has a newsletter already with over 40,000 people on it. If you're not doing a newsletter, you absolutely should consider it because it's so powerful. Graham, that sounds really expensive. Well, the good news is that this is completely free. And by signing up for the newsletter, you're not only gaining access to super valuable tips and tricks, but you're also becoming a part of the hustle's thriving business community. It's a place where entrepreneurs like you can connect and watch other businesses flourish. Now you might be wondering, are newsletters even relevant in this day and age? Well, when it comes to digital marketing, volume is key. And when done right, newsletters can drive thousands of visitors straight to your website. HubSpot provides the tools, expertise, and strategies you need to make your newsletter stand out. And again, I'll tell you from firsthand experience, having a newsletter is so important because the people you reach that sign up with a newsletter are the ones you really want to reach out to. So don't put this off. Don't just think, oh, I'll do it later. Take your business to the next level with HubSpot. So click the link in the description to check out your free newsletter building guide. Again, it's free. That's F-R-E-E. It's in like zero dollars. It's zero dollars. Thank you so much, HubSpot. And now back to the podcast. 